2: the Indiana Pacers. I like seven. I'm not opposed to keeping seven. I think you know there's always a guy that kind of falls out of the top two or three. That sometimes you like. Wow, we had him, you know, second or third on the board. I, I don't know if that happens uh, for sure, but it may. I don't know if this is going to make anybody feel better, but we hit the first three out of four numbers, so we we had a chance. Uh, man, I, my heart was racing. Uh, I was pretty excited, but we didn't get the last number, and that went to San Antonio. And overall, we, we stayed at seven, but some good news is because San Antonio was above Houston, we get the 32nd pick. Uh, if we didn't get that 32nd pick, it would have went to 50. So that's a big delta for us, and we really like that 32nd pick.
1: I'm Brian no, He's Jimmy Cook. Here on the fan today, I'll tell you what, Jay Cook, live in studio, the water is just glistening out there, (laughs) just freaking glistening, the Fountain of Monument Circle, a.k.a. the thing, it is a glorious day here in Indianapolis, is it not? It's a beautiful day. Man, it is beautiful out there, they're hanging signs, they're doing all kinds of stuff for the 500.
3: We're getting finishing touches inside of two weeks now. And actually inside of a, a 11 days here Until the greatest spectacle in racing So yeah, it's it's a great time I wish that I was on a, a bit of a, a higher ascent In terms of my expectations and hopes and, and dreams Of last night's NBA Draft Lottery But uh, another year passes Another no-show win in terms of where the ping pong balls fall my 86
4: uh math yesterday did not work out
1: <laughs> no, not. what what for the pacers to get the number one pick is yeah that, I,
4: I was joking yesterday that it was between detroit and indiana for the first pick and detroit had like whatever it was 14 in indiana at 86 i was just making a joke oh, out of it. oh
1: i gotcha i hear you on that yeah so it didn't go the pacers way last night they end up with the seventh overall pick what the hell is your boy kevin pritchard talking about jimmy the president of the pacers it's like, I don't know if this makes anybody feel any better, but man, we were this close to getting the number one overall pick. We matched the first three numbers of the lottery drawing. That makes it so much worse. You kidding me? That's got to be the running joke going forward. If your team loses by a buzzer beater or something like that, what was it, San Diego State? Did they beat Florida Atlantic Yep. by that buzzer beater? Yep. As I don't know if this makes anybody feel better, but you got your heart ripped out at the last second, right there. Like, of course it doesn't make anybody feel any better. Are you kidding me? The Pacers were this close to getting Wembenyama. That makes me feel way worse.
3: There were a handful of presidents, general managers, representatives that were in that sequestered room that, once the results came out, went that path of, "Hey, look, I I know this is a, an unfortunate time for the fan base, but." Uh, we were one Powerball away from from immortality. And like, look, I get it. Like, I understand. There's a lot of raw emotions. Like, you're. It's probably pretty annoying to be stuck in there as long as you are, and like, just having to to wait through that process. But no, it'd be like if you you missed out on a job opportunity. It's like, well, you know, we were. If this helps, we we're really close to high. No, it doesn't help. It doesn't help me. In fact, I'm more upset now that I know that I was content <laughs> with thinking six percent chance. What are the now? It sounds like there was a greater than six percent chance because you had three of the four that you needed. And now it
1: makes me feel like it's a real missed opportunity. You know what? It's just like in-game betting. Yes, the odds fluctuate. Mm-hmm. So the what six point
3: eight? I give what? you. I give you legitimate odds. It was plus twelve hundred. You could bet it on DraftKings that they would walk away with the number one overall the pick. We checked around Showtime oh, yesterday.
1: It was just twelve to one. I would think the odds should be well. Their closing odds were plus five fifty on yeah. the Spurs for what it's. They're haters. Worth. They're not, they don't want you to walk away with a big payday, <laughs> right? But I think the odds are longer than twelve to one. But anyway, that's what they would pay you that out. The, that was the betting yeah. odd at the time. But if they had in lottery betting odds, if the first three numbers matched for the Pacers and they were that close, I'll tell you what: the odds are a lot shorter at that stage than 12-1, to meaning they had a much better chance to land the number one overall pick. And so that makes it way, way worse when you're, right? If you go into a game, let's make this a game, and you're like, man, my team's going to get stomped. And all of a sudden, it's a fourth quarter ball game. If it's football, basketball, we're talking one possession here. We're in this thing. We can do it. It'd be like the Lakers last night. Lakers are losing by 21, and you're thinking, ah, it's a wrap. LeBron has a game-tying three-point attempt in the final minute. Mm-hmm. Th- that makes it way worse, I think, yes. to be like, we might be able to do this, and then it doesn't work. It goes sideways, and you're like, man, that sucks. <laughs> like, yeah,
3: because we, we've come to terms with it at that point, right? You've come to terms with it's a blowout, or you've come to terms with, well, There was no movement, right? They didn't go down, they didn't go up. They went about where they were projected to be from the start, right? They stayed right at seven, and you can accept that. But then when you learn in a comeback attempt where you're down 20, and all of a sudden you have a shot for the tie – now it's a gut-wrenching, oh, had they not, they just played a little bit better at the start, maybe they win it going away. Like, you're able to talk yourself into these scenarios, and it's the same thing with the draft lottery. It's all they were just, just
1: one ping-pong ball away. It's all we needed? I would love to know what percentage chance they had at that stage. Right. So if they started just below... Like a below, win probability yeah, chart, right. They started just below 7%, their chances to get the number one overall pick. They matched the first three numbers... It's gotta be over what? Fifty percent at that stage? Maybe higher? It's gotta be around there, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, I I would be speculating because the reason I say, well, is it that high? Because there was, you mentioned it before we started the show, and I'll find the quote, there was another general manager, whether it was Portland, who's, I it who you thought, thought Blazers. it might have been, and I think yeah. that's right, said the same thing. Like we were a number away on a couple of the draws from 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 being the top pick. So I don't know like if it's there's a subsection of teams that have like three of the same, right? But that last digit is different. I, I really yeah. don't
1: know. It says this. this is the Blazers. Blazers missed number one by one ping pong ball. It says the Spurs won the draft ladder- lottery with ping pong balls 14, 5, 8, and 2. Portland had 14, 5, 8, and 3. <laughs> Uh, But I wonder if their GM is like, I don't know if this makes you feel any better, but man, we were as close as you could possibly be. No, that makes me feel way worse, actually.
3: The only thing I've taken solace from from this, and it's not much, and if you're a Pacer fan that's looking for
1: Look, I'm not going to say that every
3: other prospect in this draft is garbage because we've talked to people that scout this regularly that say yeah it's a good draft, but it, there's tiers to it like there's any draft, right? Webanyama was more than likely the only generational talent right away in terms of you place him in there and you're expecting big things from him. Everybody else, they would contribute their rookie year, but like it, it, it's thought he's going to be betting favorite rookie of the year. He's going to be betting favorite for all the awards. All those accolades are for him right now in terms of the perception. So I'm not, there's no solace I can offer you for being at seven. What I can offer you, and this is what I was concerned about last week, is I don't want Victor Weminyama in the same division as the Pacers for the next 15, Uh, 20 years. Yeah, that's good. And I don't want him in the same conference. Yeah. We got both those. He's in San Antonio. Only way you'll ever see him is if you make it to the finals, which you should be building towards anyways. And the cherry on top is I've been banging on the desk about this team tanking and giving themselves a better opportunity to have... More ping pong balls. And that's great. And I know that one of the teams that got this pick, or the Spurs were one of the teams that had a 14% chance to walk away. They were one of those four teams. So they did it the right way, right? They tanked. They were not the worst team. The worst team was the Detroit Pistons, Mm. who won 15 games last year, and they're not even in the top four anymore. Like, like if that was, we talked about this yesterday, the amount of pressure that Pistons fans were probably feeling or anxiety yesterday is astronomically different than what a Pacers (laughs) fan is feeling because you're at some point reserved to the fact that a 6% chance we never really get lucky. It's not going to happen. If you're the Pistons, we did all this losing with the hopeful worst case scenario is we're still going to be in the top three, top two, and you fall to fifth. Yeah. I, I would I would be reevaluating every life decision in terms of my sports fandom. <laughs> if I was a Detroit fan and that's the card that you were dealt yesterday.
1: Yeah, that's rough. That is rough. And they fell as far as you can mm-hmm. cuz they had the they had the worst record. Right. So, as the team with the worst record, they could fall no further worst-case scenario than number 5 overall. That's exactly where they fell to. That's That's brutal. I just think uh, a couple of things. One thing that was funny when we're talking about, we were embracing Team Tank at the end of the season for the Pacers, and there was a false alarm for me last night. I'm watching the draft, and I get this alert on my phone, and it says, I just peeked at the very first part of it, and it said, Magic receive number one. And my first reaction is they're on unveiling about like the ninth pick, the the eighth pick, somewhere around there. And I'm like, why would they spoil the surprise? What are they doing? And then my next thought was, this is why the Pacers should have lost more. The team that was right ahead of them mm-hmm. in the pecking order of the tank chart. Right. Um, I thought based on this alert, they got the number one overall pick. That would have been way worse, also, yes. because to your point, it would have been an Eastern Conference team. That would have gotten Wembanyama, and it would have been the team that was just one notch ahead of you. You would have been yanking your hair out. Now, shortly after that, after the entire draft, I, <laughs> I saw that it said Magic receive number eleven overall pick. So it cut off oh. the second sure. number one. I thought they had the number one overall pick. I think that would have been way worse for Pacer fans, also. Yeah,
3: I mean that's a different field today because. There were like I get it I understand that you're trying to build something but you knew at a certain point in the year that it's not happening you're not squeaking into the play in and I yeah I joked about it yesterday like oh I'm glad we got that win against Milwaukee in March like thank goodness like it it just the only reason I'm less frustrated with it all is that you didn't see that scenario play out where a team that was only a game ahead of you got it the Pacers were never bad enough. To be within that like top three range. Right. Because of how well they started the season and because
1: of how strong their roster is, even though they only won like 35 games this year. Think about that. They doubled the Pistons win total mm-hmm. and then won. Pistons had 17 wins. Pacers had thirty-five. <laughs> so that's that's double the wins, plus an extra win on top, little cherry win on top. That, that's 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 crazy the difference between the two. And for the Pistons, what they have to show for it is the number five overall pick, just a couple ahead of the Pacers. Uh, The lottery, it's a cruel game. You know, sometimes you can strike it rich, other times, not so much. You crap out, and that's what Detroit did. I just think this, man. Like, it can't be both ways, where there are a lot of people that are hammering the Sixers. They just lost Game 7 to the Celtics, and it's like, oh, yeah! How did the process work out, and how did the tank work out, and yada, yada. It's like, I don't think it makes sense, Jimmy, to hammer the Sixers and then turn around and give the Spurs either a gigantic thumbs up or, or no backlash whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like, it can't be both ways. You can't be saying, thumbs down, Sixers, tanking didn't work, and then... Your next breath saying, man, the Spurs, this is franchise altering, which it is. That that's the whole reason why you tank. You can't convince me the Spurs are ever trying this year. They finished 22 and 60. They had a horrible season. But this is why you do it. Tanking
3: gets misconstrued with front office lack of scouting lack of awareness, and lack of execution when the draft actually arrives. Tanking itself is not an inherently bad play if you know that the direction of your franchise is in need of a complete reset or you feel like, as a franchise, the only way to be a contender is to nail the draft every year. Every team tries to nail the draft every year, but you feel like, well, if we get more losses, we can expedite our process of a rebuild. That's great in theory, but that's a whole separate thing from executing as a front office and you need no better example than the actions taken by the 76ers during the trust the process era, when they traded up with Boston to go get Markel Fultz at number one, instead of taking Jason Tatum, Mm. which at the time, again, people were still like shaking their head. Tatum wasn't like a consensus number one at the time, but it was like, Oh, okay. You guys really believe in Fultz. Could they have envisioned the way that he flopped as bad as he did? No, probably not. But there's a difference between, the idea of wanting to tank and then being able to translate it to good drafts. Because if your front office is bad at their job, you could lose as many games as you want and get as many first round or top five picks as you want. If your front office stinks, you're not going to go anywhere. Well, I hear you, partially. And, th- and that's why I agree with you that like you can't come at the Sixers and then praise like the Spurs at a minimum. And I know they've had some uh. luck in that regard. They, the last number one pick was what, Duncan? 99, is that right? The last time they won the lottery? Right. They built the around 97? him. 97, yeah, w- w- whatever. Around that year, yeah. two two three three-year grace period. I, I appreciate you for that. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? They, they built around him well. The Spurs have always been viewed as this tremendous front office that once they find a cornerstone piece, they build around it and they execute. Have they had a decade worth of meh? Did they drop the Kawhi Leonard ball? Absolutely. But for the most part, they're viewed as a franchise that gets things right. 76ers, yeah, they got Embiid, but they have failed throughout this process. So while I agree that you shouldn't go after tanking, you should go after the Sixers' front office for their inability to properly build around Joel Embiid, and also he hasn't been able to stay healthy.
1: I think that's a fair way to look at it because Embiid was a number 3 overall pick, and he's been sensational. Mm -hmm. He's been a cornerstone. He's the league MVP this past season, so we can't knock him whatsoever. But to your point screwing up the next couple of chances in the top three. So you go back, when they drafted Markel Fultz number one overall, that was the Jalen Brown draft. So the Celtics got Jalen Brown number three. Then the next year, the Celtics, they trade down. The Sixers trade up to number one. They get Ben Simmons. That's right. Yeah, and that's where... (laughs) Thank you. That's where the Celtics ended up with Jason Tatum. Right. That is, that's insane. the The Sixers ended up with Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. And
3: I wasn't mad about Ben Simmons at the time. I was because I,
1: hey, I, I, I didn't know he could
3: like that. The the shooting was a real liability as a rookie coming in. He was another electric process prospect that was shoved down your throats twenty four seven as the second coming a, 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 of the next great superstar in this league, and he didn't pan out. But that's how you're judged in all sports: is you take the guy, what do you build him into? You have Tatum instead of Ben Simmons there? Tell me Philadelphia hasn't at least been
1: to a finals by now. Just think about that. Even if it's Jalen Brown instead of Markel Fultz? That's the gray area. People (laughs) get confused with the idea of
3: tanking and the trust the process thing, like not being a, a... strategy that can work. It can work, but it's a two-part process. Just because you get a driver's license doesn't mean you're a great driver. Like right. You have to still be able to
1: have that right. in your bag. It's the same thing with front office work. Totally. I, I'm totally with you. And that's the thing is, I think because the Sixers embraced tanking so much, and they had a little slogan, the process, and they just wrapped their arms around it. And because the Sixers haven't even made it to the conference finals... Yeah since 0-1, when they made it to the NBA mm-hmm. Finals. It's almost like people are misled into thinking tanking never works. It's like, I'd bet on tanking working with Wembenyama going number 1 to the Spurs. It certainly worked when the Spurs got Tim Duncan. That produced numerous yeah. championships. So this idea that tanking is the wrong way to do it n- never bears fruit. It's like, stop looking only at the Sixers. There's more to look at than just them.
3: Yeah, they're the only ones that at least that I've seen publicly over the last 10 years, have adopted that clear, boisterous mantra of, yeah, this is what we're doing. Like it or not, this is our game plan. This is our five-year uh, estimates of what yeah. our business is going to show, or in this case, what our franchise is going to show. Live with it. <laughs> and it didn't bear fruit. It bear dwell and bead. It's about
1: it. Yeah, and the closest thing we've gotten to wrapping your arms around it is what the Mavs just did. Remember they had a couple of games left and Jason Kidd is sitting there with this press conference saying, yeah, this is the direction the organization is going in. We're going to rest everybody. Who's anybody I'm paraphrasing at this point, but we're going to give Luca a quarter and then we're going to sit him and hopefully we can keep the, the top 10 pick. And they did. It actually worked out, but that was tanking as well. That was a mini tank.
3: The pressure now shifts towards, for the pacers because again like it's and i saw a number of people tweet this and i agree with them on the whole outside of kevin pritcher's comment about being on the doorstep <laughs> of it, it it shouldn't be viewed as a largely negative night because even though we had the hashtag wimby <laughs> to indy and even though we did all our could with our our seances and whatever to try to bring victor to indiana you're about where everybody had you pegged going in and now the bell is still on Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers front office to do what we just talked about again it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you pick but again it goes back to our larger point if your front office isn't competent and able to properly evaluate you could have one or you could have seven you're only going to be able to move your franchise forward if you hit it out of the park they did that last year they're going to have to do it again this year with the moving
1: pieces they have and with Tyrese Halliburton as your apparent centerpiece. That's the tough part, too, is I wish the Pacers were in a spot where they didn't have to be shrewd. You know, if you're sitting with a number 1 pick... You take Wembanyama without even thinking about it. You know what I mean? I wish they were in that spot. I wanted Tyrese Halliburton
3: to be like whoever that managing <laughs> partner was for the Spurs. That, which I guess to an extent he yeah. did, but act like he just hit a fifty to one shot of the Derby. Whoa! His like reaction his was great. Table, oh, that was so half.
1: good. That was hilarious. Everybody's like, "It's a working environment. This is basically the Mark library Tatum's, right now." like processing
3: yeah. unit. I like, had to reset itself to process what human emotion
1: that was. It, it was insane. Yeah, it was crazy. Mark Tatum is the best. <laughs> I love that man more than any man on the face of the earth. He is from Central Casting. He could. He sounds so robotic. He sounds so smooth. He sounds robotic. Right. In a good way.
3: If you would have told me that this is the new step that we just learned about last week of AI and that he was on a charging yes. unit behind the stage yes. and the second Malika Andrews pressed a button on top of the desk, he walked out. Thank yep. you, Malika. And that started. Yep. Sta- I'd be like, yeah,
1: makes sense. Here yeah. we are. Yeah. He's sensational because he is so smooth. Welcome, NBA fans, to the lottery and blah, blah, blah. I could never be that smooth. But that's what Adam Silver was before he became Kamish, right? So we might have Tatum in the not-too-distant future. Center stage, talking about the, I don't know, whatever the next – John Morant gun controversy happens to be whenever he has the gig and all.
3: you got to update his software, get a new processing unit in there <laughs> right. to to have coding for uh, commissioner roles. You know, <laughs> deputy commissioner, commissioner software. It's a whole different thing.
1: Yeah, it's uh, but getting back to the Pacers, if they had the number one pick, th- that's a no brainer. I wish they were in no brainer territory where it's you draft Lebron. This is the best prospect since Lebron. Woj went as far as to say this is the best prospect ever. Like Woj is drinking the Kool Aid. Listen, here. I,
3: you you know me and my level of optimism and and just good look on life that I, I try to have, and I am very hyped about Victor. I I get it, but the hyperbole took a new level of of Woj bomb status yesterday. We're, not once because I got it on I, I I was doing some work around the house and I got the first because they do that ten minute interlude process before the thing actually starts, because they want to time it just right so you're leading into the conference finals. I, I get it. I understand. But they have that 10-minute little pregame show of everything. And Woj, I get a tweet that, oh yeah, this is what Woj said about the prospect. I think he's the best prospect, not in NBA history, but perhaps in the entire history of sport. And it's like, okay, that's great. Oh, He, he did it even three be, more times! He went beyond the NBA. The he said, oh this might be the best prospect in the history of professional sports. Wow. And Could that happen? Sure. It it definitely could happen. It looks like he was made in a 2K my player create a player lab. Like he absolutely does. But come on. like We we don't have any type of line where maybe we won't jump across. No, it's best ever of all time across sports since the dawn of man. I
1: mean, we'll get into it. I don't know if he's that far off base. I mean, who is? It would be LeBron in basketball. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who you would point and if you to can't in the get NFL. Of,
3: but if you can't get out of your own sport, what are we doing? Like, it's LeBron. It, it is, right. It is. It, it, no question it's right. LeBron in terms of hype around one individual player. And every player since then has been the next LeBron. That's what it's been. I've heard it from Jabari Parker. I've heard it from Zion Williamson. You heard it from Ben Simmons a little bit. You heard a little bit from Victor Weminyama. is the only one that like dwarfs LeBron in terms of size and what he can do where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe
1: I can get behind that. The other guys were just copies. We'll get to the, uh, the best NFL prospect. Prospect, it's a little different of all time. I'm curious. We'll have to compare notes on that. And also, we get to the Pacers. Who is their Anthony Richardson of this draft? Is there somebody that they can mold like clay, just like the Colts are going to do here in short order? We'll throw out a couple <laughs> of names as far as that goes. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5, the fan i'm brian though he's jimmy cook here on the fan I want to welcome in will haskett bga tour radio we're getting for ready for a major over here uh will welcome in man what do you think the chances are that my guy rom nation can uh, can go back to back in the majors here what do you think john rom wins this thing here
2: boy really going out on a limb there and taking the absolute best player in the world to win <laughs> a hard golf course on a, in a hard golf tournament uh You know what? I think every year, whoever wins the Masters, you then start having the questions like, can they win the next? Can they win a grand slam? You know, we make irresponsible sort of statements about what is possible for that one. And I think this week there's a lot more chatter about that happening because of who it is. Uh, This is a big, bold, bad golf course. Uh, I mean, bad in the, in the good sense, but it is, um, I think it's it sets up really well for a guy like John Rahm for a number of different reasons. So Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely on the short list of guys that I would like this week to win this golf tournament.
3: Will, when you look at the challenges that Oak Hill presents, what's the key to walking out of here in four days' time with a win in the PGA Championship, and who is best equipped outside of, like you mentioned, the heavy favorites like Rom to take this thing?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's
2: a really long golf course. The rough is is super thick and nasty. It's going to be really cold tomorrow morning for the guys that are out early. Uh, So I think, you know, the ball's not going to travel as much. I'm still sticking to my guns this week. I think that the, the elite drivers in the world, I think, have an advantage on this golf course. The fairways are super fast. I mean, balls chase it out. So you've got some shorter hitters that are like, well, that's going to equal things out. But then the counter to that is, yeah, but the guy that hits it longer than you is still going to have the same amount of run out. So I still think this is the golf course that sets up to, guys who are just absolute elite senders off the tee. So that, that's Rom, that's Scotty Scheffler. That's, you know, it, it isn't as much of a bomber's paradise as say like Wingfoot for the U.S. Open a couple of years ago when Bryson DeChambeau won. Like that was about as extreme of an example of a golf course where literally just the longest guy in the field is going to have a massive advantage. It's not like that, but I still think off the tee plays. So, you know, again, most of the top players in the world are really elite drivers of the golf ball, but some guys are just a little bit better than others and. Look, the top two guys in the sport right now are John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, and they both happen to be really, really good drivers of the golf ball. Now, there are a couple of really good drivers, too. They're, you know, live golfers that we don't get to see as much of. So I'm a little bit bullish on Dustin Johnson who won last week. I think Brooks Kepka's got that the good week and a good potential fit for him. But all those guys do something really well, and that is they can really move it off the tee.
1: Will Haskett with us here, PGA Tour Radio. Will, who's the best golfer where this course does not set up well for him at all?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it's the easy cop-out answer is Jordan Speed. You know, he's a little bit erratic off the tee, or it kind of always has been. He's a little bit longer in the last couple of years than even when he was at his peak in 2015. But the easy answer is because he's also battling a wrist injury that forced him to not play last week in Dallas. So that's a really simple one because I don't even really know how much he's going to test it this week to be able to do it. But I would have said that even if I thought he was at – You know, his strength, a guy like Cameron Smith, you know, who won his first major last year and then went off to live, wasn't playing his best golf at the beginning of the year. And it seems to be rounding into a little bit of form. Um, I don't think this is a good golf course for him. He tends to be a little bit erratic off the tee and isn't one of the longer hitters. So those are just a couple of guys that you know kind of stand up to me it's like this is not what i would consider to be the best fit for them in this particular major
3: will I, I know you get really hyped for this kind of thing so i want to throw some names out at you and i, and I want you to let me know if you think they have a
2: chance to are these small for forward prospects for the number seven pick or are we still talking about golf here? no
3: no 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 we're not talking about okay. uh prospects okay. there i i promise you okay. okay so so jacksonville week one jacksonville week one what are you feeling
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, Eddie, I want to say this. I I want to apologize to the entire listenership about the schedule reveal last week. Um, I still don't think the actual concept of revealing a schedule is worth everybody getting fired up about. But there was so much good content. I thought the Jacksonville, the, the season is scripted vignette was awesome. Like, that was just so entertaining to watch. So for that reason and that reason alone. I will apologize for being as much of a curmudgeon about NFL schedule release <laughs> on these airwaves. So many of them had really good content. Although I thought the Denver Broncos one was forced with Peyton. I was not entertained by that one. What did you
1: think about the Titans one? Because our guy Eddie Garrison oh, so right here... It was great! Eddie Garrison was, was hating funny. on it! He was like, after they they got the first couple oh, wrong, I was, was
2: over it. More and more. I just kept laughing as it got farther and farther. I mean twice people confusing the Colts logo for the Dallas Cowboys, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> Scripted. And, then, uh, and, and Jacksonville was like, that's not a real team. Like, I mean, that was, I mean, was, was absolutely perfect. I mean, that was awesome. And I like the Colts one, too. I mean, I laughed out loud a couple of times It's just how much fun DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart were having just mowing down on an unbelievable amount of food. I actually don't know how they got through that schedule release.
3: I do want to throw actual golfers at you though I decided you would need sure. to get to the schedule at some point uh, since we had you so um, this, this is coming to us uh, from CBS's betting angle of, of sports line just for the interest of of parity they highlight a couple of value golfers you could potentially get good juice on they highlight uh, Patrick Canale Jason Day, Tony Finau, Tyrell Hatton uh, varying odds there you're always going to get high odds like you've stressed to us when betting golf and, and playing out the entirety of a four day event uh, of those four is there any value in your mind Are them being able to, to win this thing,
2: I mean, Jason Day won last week. It was a great story, and then he said in his press conference today that he's not he's not going to play a single hole uh, on this golf course. He's going to learn about it as he hits, as he plays it, because he's you know exhausted and physically his body just can't take it. I it, to, that to me is kind of crazy. Um, so after the emotional win of last week, I think it's pretty easy to say Jason Day this week. The guy that stands out on that list, and uh, to me, is Tyrrell Hatton. He's been playing really great golf. Uh, he drives it so straight and it's plenty long enough that I really think that his accuracy combined with his length could be a great advantage for him this week. He can get a little bit hot uh, when things aren't going his way, which can be uh, entertaining to watch. But if you're a better on him, can be a little bit frustrating at times. But of the four that you mentioned, uh, he's on my short list of guys that I think could be a really high performer this week. Okay, I'm
1: going to do a little football-golf hybrid because we're starting to go down this road, so yeah, this,
2: this will give the fans what they
1: want. Prediction time over here, crystal ball time. Will Haskett, which golfer do you think will be the Chiefs of the PGA Championship this year, and which golfer do you see being the Bears this week over there at the PGA Championship?
2: Uh, so I mean, the Chiefs are just the the unstoppable object that's always there and and never really falters, and that's I mean that's John Rahm. He's the number one player in the sport. You know, he's viable in every major. He doesn't really have a, a flaw or a weakness. And he's young enough, kind of like with Patrick Mahomes, that he's just going to be there for the foreseeable future. Like, he is inevitable. Um, so I think that would kind of be my comparison to the Chiefs. And then for the Bears. Ugh. Um, <laughs> wow. So, okay, so give me – how are we defining the Bears? I was just, just like,
1: thinking the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So, who do you think wins it? And the Bears had the worst record. So, who do you think's in the, I don't know, on the short list to finish last?
2: There are 20 PGA professionals here this week. Uh, you know, affectionately used to call them club pros that qualify in every year. They're sort of the feel good story of, of the week. This is such a hard golf course. Those guys are going to get absolutely trampled. <laughs> so, um, I feel bad. for I mean, it's a great week. You know, the families are here, the club gets to celebrate them. It's a huge part of the fabric of the history of this tournament. But, man, if, if one of them makes the cut, it is an absolute upset. Like, it is so hard on those guys. So, that, that would be the worst record in the uh, NFL comparison is that you're going to see some guys at the bottom of this leaderboard who, you know, are going to go back and they're going to be merchandising in their pro shops and teaching lessons on the lesson tee. Um, and many of them might be doing that by Saturday when they don't make the cut on Friday.
3: What's the read for Rory this week?
2: That's a great question. Um, he, if you believe everything that he said, he's hit a little bit of a, a reset, you know, a mental refocus, if you will, after the Masters and a little bit of a PR hit he took by, you know, then bailing on the RBC Heritage the following week, which he was sort of required to do in this new 2023 PGA Tour structure. Uh, I think the one thing, well, the two things that benefit him is that we're far enough removed from all of that that he's really not even considered the favorite. In fact, he's kind of tumbling down odds boards right now. I think he's getting the same odds as Shossway and a few other guys that have kind of caught him on that one. So uh, beware of a Rory who's not really, you know, on the sp- in the spotlight as being a favorite. And the second part of that is the Masters presents an emotional psychological battle for him because he wants it so bad to complete the career grand slam and i had a colleague tell me this week that he says i don't think rory wins the masters until he wins another major before it he has to kind of go through that process so i guess i could say i'm a little bit bullish on him for those factors because we've had a little bit of a recalibration but um we'll see i mean he could win by six and he could miss the cup by 10 and i wouldn't be surprised either way
1: Will, you're the man. We appreciate your time. Hope you uh, enjoy the uh, PGA Championship this week, man. Yep,
2: thanks. Talk to you guys next week.
1: Thanks, Will. All right, thank you. There he is, Will Haskett, PGA Tour Radio. You ever bet on the guy to finish last, Jimmy? I think that's got to be as much, if not more fun, than betting on the guy to win the thing. You know what I mean? I wish we had more odds to finish last because think of it. You're normally betting on the guy to finish first or top five, top 10, whatever. So if they put one in the drink, you're like, Oh no. Imagine if you're betting on the guy to finish last and he's just spraying the golf ball all over the place. And you're like, this is freaking awesome. Like, I want to bet on the last place guy more often now. Okay. I have one
3: serious question of ignorance and one comment about all of that. First, I'll show my betting ignorance here. Is that... A, that's a thing? I don't know. I I don't know like, that can you can. can you bet who's going to finish last? I, I, I wish you could. Because, first off, like, even for me, like, I would have a heyday doing that because you're never ever going to see this golfer. You're just at home and you're like, a five putt. Yes, let's that's go. Right. Yes, yeah. That's not going to... You know what I mean. Yeah. But also... Very on brand for you to want to root for the guy to struggle the whole day. Wait, 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 wait a minute.
1: Wait, am I just the hater of sports radio over here? Is that what's going on? Kind of,
3: really. Bit, at least in that regard, because because that. I mean, that's just that's just where again, like. You know in general that we love working together and like there's no negativity between the two of us. But in terms of where our polar <laughs> opposites go, I look for for like the high end winner and so do you, but my mind would never even think to go down it. But can we bet on the guy to hit it in the drink I,
1: twice on the back nine? <laughs> I think that would be so much more entertaining. I
3: would you, it'd be awesome. To be clear, I don't disagree yeah. with you, but just that idea never once popped into my head. I think it's funny. It's like betting an under like if you were to take the yeah. Texans win in Total this year, yeah, what like four and a half, right? About what it well, is, maybe Am a, little, I too high? It a
1: little higher. Okay, they might oh, be a oh, it little is? higher. Okay, it's you right. I always overshoot but yeah, yeah. If, it, if
3: it was six and a half for the sake of argument, I think that's what the Colts are, and you're betting the under there, like, yeah, yeah that's a whole different experience. Totally. If you, you have no fan rooting interest whatsoever, you're just rooting for this team to. Just
1: categorically fail. Uh, Yeah. Oh, they're down 30 to 7. This is beautiful. (laughs) This is already an automatic loss. Yeah. Yeah. It's taking the under. Yeah. Is betting on the guy to finish last. That's funny to me. That I you know, sometimes here's the thing with me. I'll tell you the truth. Sure. And every now and then it leans or Greatly falls on the negative side. Sure, like I'm just incredibly skeptical of Anthony Richardson. Right, I, I wish, wish that's I a ta- didn't feel but, like. But that. That. that's a
3: take. That that's not a negative idea. That's just your yeah. opinion on the prospect. It's just my opinion. With with, with with this, it is a a real negative thought of <laughs> man. How can I find the guy that's going to struggle the most and make a profit on it? Yeah, the idea is is amazing. It's just it's not something I ever would have thought of outside of the normal context of, you know, over-unders.
1: Oh, man, that's funny. (laughs) That is good stuff. Okay, coming up next, we get to what we think was the best NFL prospect of all time because we're talking about Wembin Yama. Is he the best basketball or sports prospect of all time? And then also, we will get to top of the hour, the prospects for the Pacers. Scott Agnes joins us here. Lots to do. I'm Brian Though He's Jimmy Cook. Keep it locked right here. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Yeah, so Woj, he's all in on Wemby. So Adrian Wojnowski of ESPN, he said that he thinks Victor Wembenyama is the best prospect of all time when it comes to professional sports in this country. And you raised an eyebrow or two there, Jimbo. You're saying it's LeBron, which I can understand that fully. But if you were to kind of stray outside of basketball who would you say is the best nfl prospect of all time prospect is an interesting word because they don't have to necessarily pan out it's just we thought this guy was going to be a phenom coming out of college i think john elway would be one of the top guys has to be right he'd be on the very short list andrew luck would be on that short list he is one of the most highly touted guys coming out of college ever And some of these guys don't pan out. Like, Brian Bosworth was very highly touted. Didn't quite work out. And the list goes on and on. But I find it to be really interesting when Woj says, of any sport, professionally, think about this. If you consider hockey or baseball, you know, is Wemby a better prospect than whatever the top guy of those respective sports was? Like, I, I don't know if that's the case. But I do know this. The hype can't get any thicker or higher for Wemby over there.
3: Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at that, I guess the reason that maybe Woj could be right, and this is why he phrased it properly, is it has to be a consensus number one overall pick. It has to be a player that across the board, scouts are saying you can't miss on. So my, my one argument, like staying within basketball, would, would be LeBron James, because the way that even as an eight year old boy at the time, like I understood the level of just hype and absolute, just chaos of coverage that followed LeBron James throughout his high school years. So, I mean that, that I think to me is the answer. And I outlined the example of everybody since then has been, is this going to be the next LeBron? And many have tried or many have received the hype, whether they asked for it or not. Many have received the hype. Nobody's come close. Yeah. Elway's what I was going to say. Um, one of the lines get blurred for me is when I'm going back into my memory banks. I'm trying to go through stuff that predates me. What ends up happening is I think of great quarterbacks, yeah. not great high level prospects. Sure, right. So I mean, like you're gonna have to look at like consensus number one overalls and decide, or or right in that order. Like I would I would say Peyton in my gut, but yeah. I know that there were still talks and conversations amongst scouts leading up. Like, is it Leaf or is it Manning? So. I don't know. I would probably say Manning or Elway if I was going football.
1: I'll tell you, it was a great way or to luck. phrase it. a great one. It. It's a great way to phrase yeah. it because you can at least make an argument. Sure. And the shock value with that statement of best prospect of any sport professionally here in this country, it's like, whoa, whoa, just off the rails. And you stop and you take a breath and you're like, he's not that crazy. Like, <laughs> There's a conversation to be had about yeah. it.
3: If, if at the end of the day, he's number two to LeBron in terms of like consensus value, then yeah, it's hard to say that's an outlandish statement, but you could tell by the third or fourth time and Woj always does, he's a
1: pro, he's pro, he knows what he's doing.
3: He was doing it for that exact reason, to, about, to, to stir the pot a little bit.
1: How about these potential prospects? Taylor Hendricks? Jairus Walker? and That might be the guys that the Pacers are looking at, number seven overall. We'll talk about those dudes and more. Scott Agnes drops on by to talk some Pacers. I'm Brian Though no, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian Though no, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Scott Agnes. Covers the Pacers for Fieldhouse Files. Um, you know, Scott, what did you think of, I just got such a kick out of it, out of Kevin Pritchard saying, you know, I I don't know if this makes you feel better or not, but we missed out by like one ping pong ball. I'm like, dude, that makes me feel so much worse right now. Uh, What was your reaction to the news of the Pacers being oh so close to landing the number one pick?
6: Yeah, I appreciated it um, just because it provided context. And then he shared how he felt in that moment. His heart was racing. He was looking down frantically at the pieces of paper, trying to make sure that, that that what their combination was. And here's the reality: all that stuff would come out. It's all readily available because the NBA is trying to be full, fully transparent about the process and such. And, and in fact, last year I was in that drawing room and saw it firsthand. They, you can watch the draft lottery on YouTube. So you can see exactly what went down. So it's not like this would not have come to light. Here's the new bit of info we've learned since this morning, diving deeper into it. While the Pacers had one, they were one number away, the Washington Wizards were, they had six numbers Mm -hmm. that would have given them this pick. And let's take it one step further, Brian. There was a tiebreaker one month ago that had that had to be done to break a tiebreaker between the Pacers and the Wizards because they finished with the same record. So imagine if the Wizards had won the draft lottery, they would be able to draft Victor, and the Pacers would not because they lost a tiebreaker. That would have been more maddening. Man, Scott,
1: so, real fast, on, Jimmy is like, how does that work? Where the final number is being drawn, and you're mm-hmm. talking about uh, like the Wizards have six. Possibilities. How does it actually work with the numbers that are drawn
6: and how it's determined? Okay, so it's a kind of a complex process, but once you get it, you get it. There's 14 ping pong balls, all numbered 1 through 14. Three had already been drawn, so there's only 11 available. And each team has a certain number of four digit combinations that are tied to their name. So making this up roughly, you know, a team might have. Four, five, six, and 12 mm-hmm. that they are rooting for. So three numbers are off the table, and, and and one more has to be drawn, and it could go to a number of different teams. Basically, you're looking for a four-digit combination. And, for example, the Pacers last night had 68 of 1,001 combinations that would have resulted in them being chosen.
3: To kind of build off that question, Scott, and that's the similar line of thinking I was going off of, so there, there could be a number of different teams that have three of the four right, which is Absolutely. how we had the instance yeah. yesterday where the Blazers were sharing a similar tale of being just one number off.
6: Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, like I said, the Wizards were sick. They had six possible uh, of the 11 ping-pong balls inside there. The Pacers had one. Several other teams would have as well. It just... Goes to show how close they were. Oof. Yet at the same time, they were still so far away too. Um, but at least they had that chance. And I think I think what Kevin was trying to show was the high stakes of the game. Uh, that in in the, this environment, how it's totally the luck of the draw, um, and also how painfully. Close they were, and you know, and the, the emotions, the range of emotions that he was experiencing in that back room where he can't have technology, he can't text his fellow front office people, you're kind of sitting in it by yourself for about an hour and a half before we all see watch it on the ESPN broadcast. So that's also what makes it even more challenging.
1: Isn't that wild, too? That blows my mind for the last number the Wizards have six ping pong balls and obviously the Spurs who ended up with the number 1 pick they had less than that. That's wild
6: so, to me. So here here's a simplistic way of trying to explain that. It's not that they had six ping pong balls. All they right. had six numbers that would have completed a four number combination. Okay. Otherwise, you're otherwise if you do explain, it's not like they have logo balls inside there. And if it comes up wizards, it's wizards, and there's six of them in there. That's not at all the case. It's a one number that is a that helps complete that combination. Wow.
3: So, when you're looking post draft lottery now and this is probably an easy question in regard to the path we're going to travel down with speculation for what the Pacers are going to do at seven is the to borrow from Chris Ballard and on and, and the NFL side of things is the we love how things fell for us equivalent, the uh, you know, shiny way to spin it that Kevin Pritchard mentioned yesterday of, well, mm-hmm. we really like being at seven. We're happy we didn't move down. Obviously there's some truth to that, but 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 is that basically that same type of coach speak, general manager speak in terms of him not coming out and saying, Man, I wish we would have won the thing?
6: Yeah, and I love the fact that Brian and I were both laughing. I think we were waiting for you to say we like them picks. <laughs> That's at least where I was going after when you mentioned Chris Ballard. But no, I think that was an honest assessment last night because the highest percentage of a result for the Pacers where they were slotted in seventh was to actually go back one spot to eighth and 35%. So if you just take statistically, they were expected to drop at least one spot, so that's why I, uh, I think they were content. They certainly weren't happy. Kevin certainly explained, you know, how frustrated that was to be so close. But in all this, they also had to be happy as well, guys, as the fact because the Spurs finished ahead of the Rockets, the Pacers get that Rockets pick. That's the second no, number thirty-two, the second pick of the second round, and we all know how well that worked out with Andrew Nemhard at thirty-one. Um, last year so now moving forward what you're going to see here is almost inevitably the Pacers will be dealers here they won't make all those five picks Kevin said that on the record officially even last night but it, it all added up and made sense considering at this moment if they didn't make any deals they would only have three roster spots available without making different moves so I think it's for certain they'll take a high pick there's a chance they could look to move up that's something they'll consider if there's a guy worthwhile but Right now, they're trying to evaluate now uh, exactly who falls within that that frame. Um, basically, what it is is that first tier is Victor. We all knew that. That second tier is Scoot Henderson uh, along uh, with Brandon Miller. And then there's that tier three really after that, I think, is what they're considering here. And you could go a number of ways. There's several point guards. There's several power forwards. And for the Pacers, obviously, several of those guys you really don't need. And, and if they're all about the same talent, you go towards towards that next guy. And so I think there's going to be three or four different guys that the Pacers can seriously consider. They'll talk to over the next couple of days here in Chicago and then bring them in for pre-draft workouts.
1: He's Scott Agnes, covers the Pacers for Fieldhouse Files. Look at the number 7 overall pick, Scott, when you boil it down to a name. Who's the name where you would say this is best case scenario within reason like Wemby's not falling to number 7 overall we know that right not? but yeah no he's like spoiler alert but uh, of like the best case realistic scenarios who's a name that you would say man today on May 17th I would absolutely sign up for this guy becoming the next pacer
6: yeah, to to me it's the two obvious uh, selections here. It would be kind of filling that wing power forward spot with Cam Whitaker and Dracey Walker. Those are the two guys I'm looking forward to talking with today and learning more about their story and, and where they believe they can immediately fit in. But both of those guys, you talk about athleticism, the numbers are there, the measurables are there, the length, the wingspan. Those are the kind of early indications that seem like they have pacers written all over them.
3: Scott, the consensus, and you mentioned a couple minutes ago regarding the tiers of this class, would indicate Mm -hmm. that Wembenyama is, as we mentioned, the golden goose. He's been portrayed that way uh, for the better part of the last year and a half. And everybody else behind that could be high-level pros, but you're going to have to wait and see. There's no locks or guarantees, even though there might not be a guarantee with Victor. But you get what I mean. This is a deep draft. With what the Pacers have of draft capital... And maybe this isn't even their desire, but would they be able to move up inside of the top five with the first-round picks they have in their possession right now?
6: I think so. And, and really, the better thing you're looking at right now is who would be a prime candidate to move out. And Portland's the one that makes a lot of sense because if they're not going to go all in on some kind of retool or rebuild, which doesn't at all seem to be the case, because you got Damian Lillard. You're, you're certainly in a win-now situation with him. And if they continue down that road, which we all expect, do they really want a you know a top four? a top three pick here, um, that you know might take two or three years to develop. So that seems the most likely candidate. Um, and also keep in mind, Pacers uh, president and general manager Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, they come from Portland, so uh, good relationships with mm-hmm. the folks out there. If they do try to strike a deal, but you talk about the Pacers draft capital now, um, I, I, I absolutely. You know, they're going to draft one pick high. But after that, in all, you got four in the top 32. You got three picks at about a, a stretch of about uh, six picks there that could get really interesting. Plus, they own most of their draft assets moving forward. So it just depends on what the price becomes because we saw at the trade deadline some outrageous numbers. And most of this is due to the fact of last offseason, uh, the haul for Rudy Gobert that's kind of inflated all the draft trades and, and really kept some things from happening. Um, so I'll be curious to see what the cost might become for something like that, because the Pacers certainly have the assets to move up if they believe that's the right move for them.
1: When you look at like how you broke it down into tiers, you know where you have Wemby top and then you have that next tier mm-hmm. with Miller and Scoot right there, do you see it where the Pacers, it would make sense to, To pole vault up or move up from, say, seven to four, do you see a gap in terms of that next tier, whoever's at the top of
6: it in tier three for you? To me, there's definitely a gap. What what we're trying to figure out here, I think, myself and the teams included, is how wide of a gap is that? Is it that substantial where you're willing to – cough up a couple additional draft picks maybe a future first next year uh that's lottery Mm. protected or whatever the case may be right now i just don't see it being that valuable because like i said it's kind of in that next tier of guys um but i i i i want to see how this thing plays out over the next month i try to not jump ahead of that but that's where i see it right now is where it would not make sense to move up to uh four for example
3: the ramification in terms of the state of the roster, did anything change in your mind with them knowing now that they're at seven in terms of you know the constant rumor mills of what are they going to do to try to find a wing? Are they going to keep Buddy healed here long term? Is he part of the future? Are they going to try to get the even younger in some areas or add a vet? Does anything change from a ramification standpoint now that they know where they're picking?
6: I think the biggest thing, Jimmy, is now you have clarity on your situation and you can, you can start or even start – Discussing possible talks with other teams because you needed to know how where you were drafting and how high, um, and and do you have that thirty-two pick or not? Because that's going to be very valuable. Being a second second-round pick, and it means it's not a guaranteed contract, and you have the flexibility to negotiate um, a more team-friendly type deal for a rookie. Uh, something that's favorable and something that teams are really attracted to. Those first you know five picks, let's say in the second round. Um, so more than anything, they gain clarity on where they stand and now can kind of evaluate what possible trade packages could be um, leading up to the draft and more specifically, I think, some free agency because the Pacers only have three true free agents and none of them are key players. Two of them are just veteran influences and then the role player in O'Shea Brissett. So generally speaking, I'm kind of expecting them to package a couple of these draft picks and maybe a player or two. But it all comes down to what that other side has to offer and what they're demanding out there. And that's, that's now where t- talks can begin because you know what they have to offer.
1: How would you rate the reactions, right? If you break down Tyrese Halliburton, <laughs> yeah. how, how would you uh, break it down with the disappointment there? And then also the Spurs representative who is basically doing Tiger Woods fist pumps and like Ric Flair woos right there. How would you break those down there?
6: Yeah, that was fantastic, by the way, because it was quiet in the ballroom. so No matter where you were in the ballroom, you could hear him cry out in excitement, got up, that fist bump, that was fantastic. And to me, that's authentic. That's exactly what any one of us would have done if we were right there on stage. So I like to see that, though I did laugh back in the draft lottery room. As I said, we were able to watch that. Anybody can watch that video Uh, back, and you saw their general manager Stoic, like didn't move. You would have thought he was just sentenced to something. Like there was no <laughs> reaction. I was like, come on, man. Uh, you know, I, you could see some of his colleagues from other franchises kind of nudge him in a way of like, darn you, we wanted that type of thing. Um, Tyree said he was. He didn't know where the camera was. Um, otherwise he would have smiled more. He was having some conversations on the stage a little bit, but he was a lot more reserved and quiet, less smiley and outgoing than I think we're all used to. But, um, the cool thing for Tyrese here was remember, he was part of that 2020 draft class that experienced the most unusual draft experience. They didn't have pre-draft workouts. They didn't have a draft lottery in person. They didn't have a draft in person. So that's part of the reason Tyrese was so excited when Kevin Pritchard came to him at the end of the season and pitched this idea. Because he has never experienced some of this and, and also he's a basketball geek, a basketball nerd who just he says he's watched every single playoff game. He's taken notes on what this Pacers team needs to consider for them to get in the playoffs because it also as we're seeing it's a very different game. It's slowed down and so the biggest thing he's emphasized and to us and to you know, his teammates and front office people in Texas has been um yeah, we gotta improve on our half court offense. We are the best team in transition and racing it up the floor. But the game slows down in the playoffs. We we really need to improve on our uh, half-court offense, in addition to everything else, right? The defense is number one. Um, but I thought that was a, a big takeaway there. Uh, but more than anything, guys, Tyrese enjoyed this experience, had a brand-new suit, but otherwise, like Kevin Pritchard, no superstitions, no lucky charms. I was kind of disappointed.
3: I am a little bit, too. I feel like they didn't pull out all the stops that they that they needed to uh, <laughs> for us. We were trying to hashtag uh, Wemby the Indy yesterday. That didn't, uh, didn't go like we wanted to. Um, but I wanted to ask you one more perspective question, Scott, because I know you mentioned you were there last year within the sequestered Mm -hmm. room. And I was just trying to put myself, because they'd paint over camera wise the footage they showed before the draw happened a couple times during the promos leading up to the actual lottery. If I was one of those general managers and, you know, whatever, you're done at 10 or nine in that lottery combination process, you got to wait there an hour like I imagined like from a just frustration standpoint it's pretty palpable and you can't say anything about it you just got to stay there what was that process like for you and then how did that make it maybe easier or simpler for you to relate to Kevin Pritchard who obviously has been through that before but it's still never a sure. good feeling
6: yeah, it was a fun eye opening experience. And some might think, you know, seeing ping pong balls selected, quite boring. No, not at all. I'm fascinated in general with processes. And so this was a fun process to observe. So for me, for our group last year, it took about 12 minutes. That's it. This year, it took much longer because, get this, they had to go through seven different drawings. Um, because the Spurs won three different times, um, different numbers. So uh, they got the first three teams, then the Spurs won uh, for fourth. Well, obviously, you're not drafting first and fourth. So they had to do that again. So after about 16 minutes, then it's all done. And then you're still locked down, and you have about 90 minutes of time to kill. And this is... One of the perks of actually being in the room, especially as a media member, is just you're, you're talking, you're networking, you're chatting. Maybe I'm, you know, I remember sitting there with a, a minority owner of the Sacramento Kings talking about uh, how they were rising up, how Demonis Sabonis was, uh, you, know, you know, acquired there and how much intrigue they had. He, they were asking me about him. Um, and so it's a lot of just small talk with, with executives, with fellow media members in there. And then one of the more fun parts as well. Is they have the espn broadcast up there so it's very i mean how rare is it for you to know everything how it's all about to go down and you know millions more watching on this tv screen they have no clue you know maybe people are fidgeting on tv or think they're the lucky charms get you're in that room and you're like yeah it's already done you you can't impact it anyway (laughs) that that was one of the more enjoyable things to to watch on the other side well, hey, Scott, appreciate you uh,
1: dropping by here today, man. A lot of fun to talk about the process with you. And uh, we'll yeah. catch up with you soon, bud.
6: You bet. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Thanks All right, Matt.
1: thank you. There he is. Scott Agnes covers the Pacers for Fieldhouse Files. i got to watch this video, Jimmy. Have I've, you watched I've it I've watched before? it
3: before. I've not watched this year. But I've watched it before because, you know, for the longest time, what it was envelopes and, and whatever, yeah. and then they've, they've changed it. And a lot of the lottery sports do that, right? Like, I, I saw didn't see this year's but i did see when the blackhawks won like they it was posted on tiktok like the video that had happened like trimmed down to when the final combination happened so it, it is like it's a dull process yeah because the main camera angle they showed at least when i've watched in the past was just whoever is drawing the ping pongs out and whoever is pressing the button and then the accountant off to the side mm-hmm. so like it's watching a wednesday powerball drawing right like it's it's not a massive spectacle like what's seen on tv when the results are read out, but it's interesting if you're into that kind of thing. Like, it's yeah. it's good to see behind the curtain, and
1: I watch it if because I, I just want to understand it. Right. I still don't know what the hell they're doing. And, <laughs> and I doing. appreciate
3: the transparency. <laughs> right. I do because we we not just many years ago, but even now, like it is a disinformation at times society. We want authentic, we want authenticity, we want everything to be real and genuine, and there's no rigging of
1: anything. That's the funny thing to me, though, is because. We all hear the conspiracy theories about the frozen envelope and Patrick Ewing and all of that stuff. And it's just, it's weird to me that you don't get more of those conspiracy theories now. Because it isn't on TV in front of everybody to see. They do it essentially behind closed doors. And like Scott was saying, you could go watch a YouTube video. If you don't go through the trouble of doing that, I would think it would lend itself to way more conspiracy theories and you hear far fewer these days. And I'm fine with yeah. that. I'm just surprised. I'm not saying, Hey guys, we gotta bump it up. We gotta get these conspiracy theories here. I'm just surprised you don't hear more of that when you aren't watching the drawing. You can
3: still find it, right? Like if you look in, in Twitter comments, sure. your team replies like, Oh, it was rigged. I can't believe they gave it to you, this. You'll have some people but, like that, but they wouldn't
1: rig it for the Correct. Spurs. Correct. That's the thing. You got for a good conspiracy yes. theory, it's gotta make some sense. Right.
3: There needs some type of glue there where it's like, okay, I get where you yeah. got that from. The main issue with it is All that has to be done is a quick reply to said conspiracy theory with the draft video. and It's not doctored. It's straight footage. And if we're really going down this path, I know you and I aren't, but in case there's a listener that has a tinfoil hat screwed on tight today, um, none of the owners and other presidents that are in that room would buy into that kind of thing. Right, because they were right there. And and, and it is the... This is, at least if the hype is true, a pivotal moment in NBA history in terms of what Victor Rondiama is going to do to the league. So, no one would be very happy if like if you're Chicago or, or whoever and the Spurs get him. Yeah, you're not going to be happy as a major market. I that's have, how it
1: played out. This is my agenda today. I'm finding this YouTube video and I'm watching the whole freaking thing. That's what I'm doing today after the show. Because <laughs> I'm just so curious. I've never watched that and it's a, it's fascinating. Four, it's it's boring, a four number it's, combi- combination. Yep. But it's like how do they go with all these 14 lottery picks? I just need to see the process of, okay, this was the combination for the Spurs getting the number one overall pick. Well, okay, cool. Then what? Uh, then how do we determine two and three and four and so sure. forth and so on? I, I need to know how that goes.
3: If the angle is still what it used to be and if it's what was for the Blackhawks in the NHL draft lottery, it's a, like I said, an accountant off to the right side, it's doing all the math, looking at the combinations. It's big like ping pong lottery machine and then there was somebody in the back. I don't know if they do this, we should ask Scott on the NBA side. You could hear somebody yell, pull or like just, like just a the command to press the button and they'd press the button and the ball would shoot up and then it's a number. They would show it to the account and then once they get to the last one, Chicago Blackhawks.
1: It'd be funny. Spurs. This is my stupid mind how it works, where <laughs> somebody off to the side and they yell "pull," and then you get the like the skeet shooting. Someone just like lets that <laughs> thing go, you know? And, oh my bad, my bad. Was, it's the lottery. I should have known. Like right? Yeah, no, but yeah, yeah. You get a it's like a skeet shooting ver- meets the NBA lottery.
3: Correct. Yep. Wow. Okay. So I'm just preparing. Like it, it's it's very
1: informative and oh, good to yeah. see behind the curtain. Dull as can be.
4: I'm sure it is. I'm it sure is uh, 16 minutes and 42 seconds.
1: I, you know what? I'm going to watch 16 minutes and 42 seconds of dra- draft lottery drawings. <laughs> I love it. And, I, uh, I have to know. I
3: did look for it last night, and it wasn't up yet, Like or I searched the wrong yeah, term, yeah, yeah. so I gave up.
4: I am about, let's see, four minutes in, and we have yet to have a ping pong ball. Oh, there, There's one. <laughs> there's one selected, so yeah. About is four it number 14? In. No, I don't know.
3: Just, it just for the, touch. just for the sake of it, can we, can we get a piece of audio just to see if there's a guy yelling, pull, yeah, 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 like, pull,
0: four.
4: He's just hitting golf. I'm just kidding.
3: Five.
4: <laughs> this is just him dropping the ping pong balls in. Oh, he's the getting thing. it set up. Yes. He hasn't even started oh, yet. Okay, this is
3: the, this is this is the pre-launch. <laughs> like you're at Disney and you're getting ready to get in the ride, and then we're gonna take <laughs> off. Okay. Fast forward a good eight minutes
4: there. <laughs> yeah, hey, let let me, let's see what they say. Yeah, <laughs> let me get to the end. Hold on. <laughs>
1: I love this. This is uh, on the fly radio here. So on we,
4: we would
3: assume this is off of NBA's official YouTube channel, yes. NBA account. Yes. To credit all the proper places.
1: Yes. yes. Ooh, this is what go. I needed all now week. We're working. Listen to that. Those all the ping pong balls. Sound, are just... sound of hopes and dreams right there.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a Tuesday 14. night. Fourteen. I was right. I'm gonna buy a lottery ticket later today.
4: But I didn't hear anything after that. Okay.
1: Is this, you know, I wonder if this is how the Spurs, if this is the spot where they want it. What is it? Five? Five, eight, two? I think it was it. Five. Bingo! Yeah. Oh, Sid. sorry.
2: Wrong thing. My bad. Yeah, I bet Wrong it's thing. eight. Apologies. I bet
1: it's eight and then two. <laughs> <laughs> I bet this is where the Spurs got Wemby.
4: Oh, I bet eight. it is, too. That's eight. a very it's bold got, it's observation. It's got to be eight. It's got to be. Well, I guess we're all going to find out together.
1: <laughs> we're in the ride now. Eight. <laughs> yeah! Eight. <laughs> it's going to be two. That's how they got him. So, if this was three, the Blazers would have gotten him. Instead, it's two, and he goes to the Spurs. And two. That's it. That's the crescendo. There was the drama. The machine shuts off. Oh my gosh. You can't shut off the machine.
3: When you set that up like it was two, this was over the weekend. We we celebrated my father-in-law's 60th birthday. Shout out Joe Neely and uh, my sister-in-law was talking about the Yankees being down like they were down big to the Rays but it was Sports Center the game had already happened she didn't know it was a highlight pack she goes oh Yankees aren't doing good are they I was like I'll bet you a thousand dollars they come back and win this game it was like that where you're like oh I think it's gonna be two yeah yeah naturally it was but yeah just being able to see the the future even now for us it's already happened right but being in that room to Scott's point and knowing and then having to rewatch it on television like you almost lose twice, but you know,
1: you know oh, the outcome. Man. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't even know if I should tell this story because it was a total misunderstanding. I think you, you would get it. I think you would understand. But I, I made a mistake years ago in the opposite direction. That, that's a funny story. And uh, it was a, an honest mistake. So I, I think it's okay to tell this story. But I, I was watching the Daytona 500. And I watched the end. It was a great ending. My cousin Shar called me up, and she was like, "Hey, did you did you watch the Daytona 500?" And I was like, "Yeah, it was awesome. It was great." And I hadn't heard the news, and she was like, "Dale Earnhardt died." And I'm like, "Oh gosh, not right, awesome!" Right. Like, I had no idea, no clue whatsoever. But the story you right, told just yeah. jogged my my memory, and crazy crazy that uh, that'd be with my worse. luck where
3: like I, I would have seen like just the end of something like not the whole thing and then missed uh, yeah
1: thankfully I was talking to Char and not like doing a radio right, show right, or right. you know what I mean like she knows me she Correct. knows it was just a mistake sure, but sure. someone who doesn't know me might think yeah way worse than that right but yeah right okay all right uh so,
3: <laughs> I'm I'm. I'm. I'm seeing the wheel. Wheel turn Sorry. as we roll through. Sorry to. We. Hey, more positive vibes. Positive note. If you're okay with doing it here around the other side. Yeah. We got any five hundred giveaway. Let's away. do it. A pair of tickets. Perfect. Seventh
1: running. You know what? We got to get right back on the. The positive train yep. over here.
3: 317-239-1070. You know? We've yet to come up with that trivia question. We have a trivia question. Okay, I've been x out of these trivia conversations because my trivia questions, quite frankly, are too easy. How about mine? How about my
1: brainchild earlier today?
3: It was what, beautiful. It was good stuff. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm, Again, I've been kicked out of the conversation, though. You can fight Eddie during the break. Okay, all right. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Get your calls in here. We'll give you tickets around the corner. Frank Isola, top of the hour, does a great job on ESPN. You see him on... PTI, Around the Horn, Sirius XM NBA Radio. He'll get uh he'll be on with us at two o'clock. But in the meantime, Jimmy, we've got dreams to make true. Yes. Uh, we got dreams that you are coming it, true though. here. Earn away. It's not a giveaway, it's an earn away. Next. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook 935 and 1075 the fan. Let's make dreams come true here, Jimmy. Brian No and Jimmy Cook with you here. 93.5 and one oh seven five the fan. I've been overruled Eddie has a tremendous question it is uh it's a very good question by him so it's we'll go with that you got worked yesterday because Eddie brought
3: that to us yesterday and there was another great question that was lottery themed for the wow. NBA draft lottery yeah so we tabled Eddie's for for today so you were kind of already up against it in that regard because it was it was it was a good question yours was also very good but it's one of those take your ticket in line type of things, Brian. Come on now.
1: It sounds like mine, small potatoes compared to Eddie's. It's what it sounds like small over potato,
4: here. Small potato, small potatoes. Sounds
1: like small potatoes. Uh, you have uh, people lined up who want their dreams to come true here, Eddie?
4: Yep, we got four. Okay, good.
1: Very nice. If
3: you still want to try to get in line in case there's swings and misses here, 317-239-1070. Again, it's your opportunity to win a pair of tickets to the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing, the
1: Indy 500. By the way, more swings and misses with my question or with Steady's question what do you think
4: probably yours for sure i think with yours
3: think so yeah
1: yeah yeah because i don't want to give anything away we'll react right, to that afterwards all right sounds good to me all right very good
4: how do you want to pick the number we have four on the line right? let's can- do
1: it like the nba draft lottery we need a, a big vat we need at least 14 ping pong balls we need four number combinations I say we go with uh, the number four because you need a four-number combination for the draft lottery. Well done. Look at yeah. you. You like that?
4: Gonna All right, Alan. Alan. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. All right, you pay attention to how the phrasing is because it could uh, factor into who the who the answer is. Who is the only two-time winner competing in this year's Indianapolis 500? Or hopefully competing if he's not bumped.
5: Oh, no.
0: No. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, that's not Helio. That's a good question.
3: Need a guess, Alan? Um, n- New Garden.
5: Well, all right, that's there.
3: not it.
1: We'll mm-hmm. potentially come back to you. One, two, three,
4: or five, Brian?
1: Oh, five is my favorite number, Eddie.
4: All right, five. I don't know who you are. So, first of all, who's your name, or what's your name? Ed. Oh, Ed. I like it. Ed, did you catch the trivia question? Uh, I just heard it on the radio. Yes, sir. Okay. what What's your answer? Who's the only two time winner competing in this year's five hundred?
0: The the Japanese driver uh, Sakko.
4: Yes, you are correct. Nice. Takuma Sato is the answer to that one. Well done, Ed. Won it in uh, two thousand, I think seventeen, and then again in twenty twenty. Well, well done, done, Ed.
3: Congratulations. I was going to leave that up to Eddie because. Even though I am Mr. Nice of all of us, if I didn't get the name, I wasn't, I was, I was going to move on. It would have been a slam dunk forever, is there? So I tipped the cap to Eddie. And part of that is because I've had a habit of saying, oh, good answer after everybody's bad guesses, because that's just who I am. And so I was like, why, why are you say a good answer? And they're like, well, because if I was like, oh my goodness, what a terrible answer. Why would you even say that? doesn't feel as nice.
4: Yeah, I thought you were going to do that feel, today.
3: I thought about it, but I, I, I couldn't do it. I just could not do it.
1: I like that we give the neighborhood play. Remember in baseball, where you're turning to, I think if you're in the neighborhood, it's fine. I don't need you to pronounce every single syllable sure. correctly. We all knew. Yeah. He was going for Takuma Sato, We don't so. need to go Wheel of Fortune over here. You him. know what I mean? I understand. Yeah.
3: Also, while we have a second, if you missed out on this ticket opportunity you can still participate tomorrow and friday and of course there'll be any 500 ticket giveaways across the board on kevin and query from seven to ten on jmv immediately following us from three till six is also giving away uh, some aerosmith tickets as well and then of course on kevin and query you have the jiffy lou prize pack uh in, in general throughout their show um for us though i want to clarify with the other place you can get any 500 tickets and that is of course online is that he's nodding his head vigorously towards me. 1075 <laughs> fan.com you can enter that. But additionally, if you're looking to fully transport your month of May to a new level of excitement, you have an opportunity, and this one is selling fast, to be a part of Tales from the Track. That's featuring Ed Carpenter. We all love Ed. He's going to be on the show here a little bit later, but it's a, another opportunity to immerse yourself in everything the month of May offers. You don't have to go far for it either. It's right here in the MS, MS Communications Lobby. It's going to take place this Monday from 6 to 8 you get a dinner, you get a drink ticket, you get opportunities to register for door prizes. There's a Q and a with Ed, a meet and greet and photo opportunity as well. If you'd like to be a part of that and get tickets again, they are going fast. wibc.com tales from the track with Ed Carpenter. It's going to be a great event right here on the circle inside the Emmons communications lobby.
1: By the way, this is the most pressing question of the day. What's your favorite Aerosmith song?
3: Don't stop believing.
1: No, That's it's not, not journey. Aerosmith. That's journey.
3: Uh, I blanked. I did my thing where I blanked and panicked. I don't have an Aerosmith song. I don't have one. There's not one there. I'll give you there. a handful
1: here. There's not There's one a there. I, I, cause I've been Googling. I'm trying to... I don't, I'm going to leave now. I'm going I, 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 I apologize to Journey. I apologize to
3: Aerosmith. I apologize to every band that's ever been in existence. I panicked. I dropped the ball. That's awesome. Jamie, me.
1: what's your favorite Aerosmith song? I, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven. Definitely on the You know, you know I really
3: like Yellow Submarine by Aerosmith. It's been a great time. Anyway, educate me. because Purple I'm-
1: Haze is one of my favorite Aerosmith songs of all time, i got to be honest with you. Um, okay, there are a few here. There's uh, Dream On is one of their famous ones. That might be... Dream On! Your- yeah, yeah, I got you. That might be I yours. You. Uh, I'm trying see to reassert
3: here. myself now with my lack
1: of musical ability to show that I'm not as big of a clown as I My favorite. Am in music. This is not my favorite song, but my favorite comment related to an Aerosmith song it was from Living on the Edge. I don't know why I remember this. It was Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> and they're watching the Living on an Edge, Living on the Edge video, and he's like, these guys live on the edge of Wuss Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was my favorite Beavis and Butthead moment of all time. Uh, Angel, isn't that great? Ragdoll is a pretty good Aerosmith song. One of my favorites. Of course, Walk This Way is one of the most famous songs. Oh, this
3: dude. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yep. yeah. I can't get that high. So there you go.
1: I do love Love in an Elevator. Great Aerosmith song. Living up while you're going down. Right? See? Sure. Got to do that in life. So there you go. I'd put Love in an Elevator at the top of my list. I'd ask Eddie, but he's doing it. he's work he's,
3: right he's, he's, wor- he's working. He's working, He's working, dude. working right now.
1: Eddie, you're back with us. Your favorite Aerosmith song? Dream On would have
3: been been my answer, and I totally dropped the ball, because I do like that song. But I will say, and this shows you my mainstream level of rock, uh, Walk This Way and and, and Dream On are probably the only two that are on my Apple Music library, if I was to really
4: go through and guess. I love Sweet Emotion. Do you? Yep. Big fan. Yeah, that one, Walk This Way and Dream On are right up there.
1: Most... uh,
3: most rock era songs, the way that my like generational music got skipped because my late father was born in the '30s. There's a lot of Sinatra and Dean Martin and 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 Ray Charles mixed in there, yeah. and, and then there's you know a ton of like Beatles and and, and Beach Boys, and then there's nelly and <laughs> drake and kendrick lamar yeah and, and so there a, there's a big skip in terms of where our music tastes will not cross over
1: it's mainly rock bands all right let's do a, an experiment right here okay i think this would be we have so many sports related things to get sure, to sure. I, trust me it sounds like we're filling time we're really not sure. we have so many things to get to i want to do a spotify do you have spotify what's your thing Apple music Apple, go to your playlist and we're just going to do Shuffle, and I want to know the first three songs that pop up, because I, I bring this up because I'm eclectic like you, Jimbo. Heavy metal is my go-to, but there's a lot beyond heavy metal that it's a wide uh, range for, for
3: the For the sake of uh-huh. Eddie not having to
1: worry about a dump button, yeah, that's I'm just going to read you what's yeah, the, yeah, what no, comes that's
3: up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. All right. Is there you any metal the on the playlist? The whole library. You want from my like just a library. playlist? I'm
3: actively listening to right the now. The whole okay.
1: freaking library. Okay. That's what I want. Okay. I double check to make sure I'm in the right. I will so. be so. If you yeah, if fine. you say a Slayer song comes up, I am gonna have <laughs> newfound respect for you, Jimmy Cook. Kidding. Okay, so the
3: first song that came up is a remix of, of a Jay-Z song. Uh, the song itself is called New York, but it, but it's it's a playoff of, of one of his earlier albums, so it's just okay, a Jay-Z song. so we song. got
1: Jay-Z. Yep. All right, all right. What else are we looking at here? This is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what? That's on your playlist? It's all there, baby. This is the whole archive. is in the playlist. You want the whole library. This is the collection of like thousands of songs that have come across my life.
4: Music when Jimmy produces makes sense. This, there you is-, go.
3: this is How We Do it. It's a banger, man. <laughs> Come on! What,
1: what is it? Six eight. He stood, yeah, yeah, and something about yeah. the music he made was good. Yes. What's the line? For yes. yes, Yeah. Where the party at? By Jagged
3: Edge. <laughs> that's that 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 that's that's a beautiful rejoinder in general. Just the, just a little a little uh, a fake guitar oh, intro. Man, oh man, Perfect. that is
1: great. This is how we do it. Uh, Sing about me. I'm dying of
3: thirst by Kendrick Lamar. That's off a of good kid, Mad City.
1: Kendrick is so talented, man. man. It's insane. Phenomenal, it really is. <laughs> uh oh, last one. What's the last one? Please tell me it's some hair metal band. Oh no, it's not.
3: You're gonna be. This is gonna shift the entire perception. Okay, of it. all right. Let's hear it. Uh, Bad guy by Billie Eilish. Really? Yeah. Oh my big, big god. Bi- big Billie Eilish fan. Oh yeah, she's talented. Yep. She's very talented. Yep. There you go. There's five songs into my Nothing soul. Nothing
1: wrong with that. Okay, let me do it. All right, let's uh, shuffle up You would have had to have gone,
3: I think, 30 songs before you got something that I think crossed over to you full scale.
1: Okay, so we go uh, Sepultura, Brazilian heavy metal band. Highly recommend them. Dusted. That is the first song on the uh, random shuffle list. Um, Fun fact. Okay,
3: Eddie, I want you to play this game too, and this will show me the only YouTube audience. I don't have enough time for that. No, no, no. no. Uh, Raise your hand if you know a song that... It comes up on his shuffle, because oh, I have no idea what one? that
1: was at all. Sepultura? Mm-mm. Nothing? Oh. Fun fact, I have three s Sepultura tattoos yeah? around my right arm. If they're, if they're good enough to be put think on skin... I
4: music over there.
1: Yeah, I I am <laughs> dusted by Sepultura. You get a little taste of it. That's clear, though a good spot in
3: your heart if they are okay. made it all the way to the tattoo game.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, very, very fond of Sepultura there. That... Oh, okay, this is a random one. Iggy Pop, Gold. It's from a, a movie. It's actually a, it's an interesting song. You should check it out after the okay. show. Right. It's something you would never expect from me. Um, and I'm trying to think of the what movie it was. It was, oh, it was from Gold. I can't even remember the movie very well, but it was decent. Anyway, check out the Iggy Pop song Gold. Okay. It's very slow, incredibly slow, very moody song. What
3: I can hear a thousand miles away from the mic sounds like the Modelo Especial commercial music. There you go. There you go.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's Iggy Pop for you. Okay, let's get a couple more real fast here. Let's see what we got here. Okay, Rage. Got to have some Rage in your diet. Down Rodeo. Very good selection. <laughs> All right, let's get uh, let's get two more here. I'm just, I've never done this before. Two more. John Denver. Hey, here we go. Wow, take me home, country roads. My girl doesn't like this I, song. I can raise the hand on that one. I love, love, this, love song. this song. Are you kidding me? Yep. It's a great yep. song. Every time it comes on, she's like, oh, ah, yeah. it's a great. Song. She's very open-minded. Yep. What's wrong with her? That song, leaving on jet plane. It's like classic Greg John Denver right yep, here. Yep, yep. Okay, one more. See if there's some rap. There's a lot of rap on my... Okay. <laughs> Random. It's called The Enemy. Okay. So it's from. It's a metal thing. Very nice intro, though. I like it. Okay, I'll talk this a little more. This is going to take busy. a turn, I feel it, it, like. It takes, it takes a hard left here. Hard left. Uh, real fast. So it's a bunch of uh, musicians from Roadrunner Records. Very metal label there. And so they got together, and it's kind of like an all-star type thing. So this guy, this drummer from this band, and this singer from that band, this guitarist, they get together and they sing songs and stuff like that. All right, we got a break here. Just hear here, a couple of seconds of this. This is the turn. Yep. That's not what I thought it'd be. That would be, your, that would be your turn right there, Jimmy. Okay. All right, coming up next... I kind of like this in the background. Maybe rejoin music there? Eddie, what do you think? You know, right, uh, coming up, I, I, I don't get this marriage right here. We'll discuss. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. There you go, Eddie Garrison. Let's go. Brian though, and Jimmy Cook with you here on The Fan. Settle down, Jimmy. It's a family show. You got your dancing shoes on over here. Good Lord. Settle down. Settle down.
4: Take a break. Jimmy, is that Aerosmith? It's
3: not. It's not the Beatles either. I'm sorry to Aerosmith. Everybody that's ever listened to rock and roll. I'm not proud of myself.
1: It's okay. You know, mistakes happen. (laughs) I'm very forgiving. Objectively speaking, though, it is hilarious. (laughs) You know, I've got the best news of the day. You might be aware of this already. I'm not sure. Well, if it's an Aerosmith song, we know I won't be aware of it, so there we go. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, the vending machine over here mm-hmm. to our left. Yeah. I was perusing uh, a 20-ounce Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, who knows? might be overpriced. They might go crazy. It is a radio station. You know, every now right, and then it's right. still overpriced. Guess how much? Buck, buck 50.
3: fifty. Hey, Jinx. <laughs> That's exactly right. It was the best news of the day.
1: Are you kidding me? That's awesome. A buck yeah. fifty for a twenty-ounce economy <laughs> at a radio station. I'm surprised it's less than five.
3: I'm happy for you. I'm gonna I imagine go. you just shotgun a Mountain Dew out of the gate when we uh, have that turn from the nice little uh, uh, Sicilian-like uh, just mandolin playing, and then.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get a do, and then when we reconvene, we'll talk to Frank Isola. Does a great job for ESPN, yes, SiriusXM, NBA Radio. we got to talk about the Pacers not lucking out oh so close and where they might go now that they have the number 7 overall pick. Frank Isola coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5, the fan.
4: Jimmy, is that Aerosmith? Or is this Journey?
1: It's his favorite band, Eddie. What kind of question is that? The amount of disrespect. Billie Eilish? Wow. Disrespectful. He would know if it's Montel Jordan. <laughs> he would know that. <laughs> I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I want to welcome in Frank Isola from ESPN, Sirius XM, NBA Radio, Yes Network, joining us here on The Fan. Frank, so a little... Before we get to the lottery and hoops and all that good stuff, so... We're giving away later on the station some Aerosmith tickets. And I asked my good friend Jimmy Cook, who I would never throw under the bus, I said, What's your favorite Aerosmith song? Mm. He hit me, Frank, with Don't Stop Believin.
5: <laughs> uh
0: yeah, that's I heard you guys talk about that. That's a good that's a journey song there, Bay Area. I think Aerosmith has either got Boston guys. I think Steven Tyler is actually from the New York area. And he's Italian. I think he went uh Politically correct and got rid of his Italian last name.
3: So <laughs> now I'm going to have East Coast ties and, and Italian ties
1: after me now is what I'm understanding. Yeah. Oh. How big of an, of an infraction is that, Frank, to say uh, Aerosmith and Don't Stop Believing? What would you say uh, that
0: is? I guess it depends on his age. That has something to do with it. Also, you have to remember, Don't Stop Believing. It was always a big song, and then it was immortalized by the last scene in The Sopranos. Remember when they go to the diner, yep. which was actually filmed about a mile and a half from my house. They filmed a really? ton of uh, Soprano stuff there. Yeah, it was really it was it was always pretty cool. You'd see you know the trucks there. You'd see uh, you know some of the actors walking around. Then when the actors left, you'd see real mafia people walking around. So it's a lot of fun. It was like a little tour of uh, you know old school uh, you know New Jersey. That's pretty cool, man.
1: I, I got to know one of your favorite shows. Uh, I'm assuming The Sopranos would be on there. What would be ahead of that if there is such a thing?
0: Yeah, I really did like uh, The Sopranos. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to go down this shirt and you're going to laugh at me. Comedies, I like um, The Office, but I got to be honest with you, on Netflix, and I liked um, Ozark, but the one that I really yeah. enjoyed yep. was The Crown. I thought The Crown was really good, or is really good. Because it's like a history lesson. This crazy stuff would happen, and then you'd go look it up, and sure enough, a lot of that—you know—whether you know, it was this that uh, thing that happened in Wales, it was like a mudslide, and all these people died. It was pretty. I thought uh, that was pretty fascinating. But the soprano was different.
1: But I really enjoyed the soprano. That was good. I like it. I like it, Frank. Well, we, we got to talk some hoops with you because you're in the know here. Um, what do you think about Kevin Pritchard? The, uh, the Pacers president, he was like, I don't know if this helps at all, but we were basically one number away from getting the number 1 overall pick. To me, that's way more crushing. I understand where he's coming from, but if you put yourself in the shoes of a Pacers fan, what would you think about the Pacers being literally one number away from getting the number 1 overall pick?
0: No, you're sick to your stomach. So at one time, I was actually in the room where they draw the balls. I think it was the year... Anthony Towns uh, went first. think it was like that was D'Angelo Russell, Kristaps Perzingas, Julia Lokapur. And when you're in the room, it's a little confusing because you do have, um, you know, one representative of each team. Sometimes there's actually two people as well. The PR person for the team sometimes is around. They actually cater a pretty nice meal as well. But, you know, they take your cell phone away. This way you can't, um, you know, reveal what the results are. But at one point, they put all the number combinations. They have, you know, these sheets of paper, and they put it up on a board. They also hand you a sheet. So when the first few numbers come up, you start scrambling, and it's, it's hard to actually pay attention or to figure out who's won away. So, But that happened when, when I was there. In fact, I think when I was there, I think Minnesota might have won the first pick. Then they also got the second pick, which, of course, then they have to redraw. But I'm sure Kevin Pritchett was sick to his stomach because Victor Winbanyama, it looks like he has the chance. To be a franchise-changing player, if he could stay healthy, you know. A lot of times, those really, really tall guys, you know, so they always, they always seem to have some type of uh, foot or leg injury. Let's hope that's not the case with Wimbenyama. Frank,
3: how much hyperbole was Adrian Orjanowski mm. using when he said a handful of times on last night's coverage that Wimbenyama might not just be the best NBA draft prospect ever, but the best in all of professional sports in terms of prospects?
0: Well, I would only say to that, go. Um, Google how old uh, Killian Mbappe is. He scored two goals in a World Cup final. Mm -hmm. So I can guarantee you that when when Benyama at a young age is not going to lead a a team to a championship. And what's funny about this top prospect stuff of all time I mean think about think about Bo Jackson when he was uh, coming out of college. The guy was a two-sport star. I mean the guy was Mm -hmm. a complete stud. Deion Sanders was like that as well. Two sports. Um, And then you know yesterday was the anniversary of Magic Johnson Uh, scoring the 42 points in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. It was 42 years ago. So he was a rookie that year. He fills in for Kareem, who's sick and doesn't play in the game. He ends up being the MVP of the NBA Finals. And 14 months earlier, he beat Larry Bird in Indiana State. So over a 14-month period, Magic Johnson won an NCAA championship and then was the Finals MVP in in his team winning a title. So I don't know how you can call Wen Benyama. I don't know how you can call him the best prospect in basketball because LeBron was mm-hmm. pretty hyped, and LeBron mm-hmm. is kind of panned out, but certainly not in uh, all the sports. I'm, I'm sure Jim Brown was probably highly touted. He, he turned out to be a pretty good football player, too.
1: He's Frank Isolo joining us here on The Fan. What do you think would have been the best-case scenario within reason for the NBA? Like, which team, if they could have handpicked, who gets the number one overall pick? Who do you think they would have chosen?
0: You know what? I think him going to... well. You don't want Dallas to win it because of the way Dallas handled the end of the season and some of the things that Mark Cuban is in that organization, have, they've done over the years. But it would have been when Benyama with Luka Doncic, which wouldn't be the worst thing. I think for the NBA, the best case scenario, though, was the San Antonio Spurs because the Spurs have been at the forefront of recruiting and signing and drafting international players, number one. So there's a foundation already there. They've had incredible luck over the years, David Robinson. Tim Duncan, now they have the number one pick, and they'll take Victor Wembanyama. So the Spurs have a certain way of doing things. They've developed a lot of young uh, players. You're in a market where, as even though he's going to be the number one overall pick and everything will be magnified, it's not like he's playing under a microscope in L.A. or New York or Boston. So I think from that standpoint, and he, I had heard that the two places he wanted to go to was San Antonio, for obvious reasons, Tony Parker. In fact, Tony Parker posted a photo when Benyama was a kid, of him wearing a, a Tony Parker yeah. jersey, yep. And I think the other team, believe it or not, would have been Charlotte because Charlotte's a young team. They have Lamelo Ball there. I think there's a bunch of direct flights. I mean, you could say that. What's the big deal? But there are a bunch of direct flights from Paris to Charlotte. So I think from a convenience standpoint, go to a team that's rebuilding. And I think he he kind of got what he wanted. He wanted to go to. I think that's one of the reasons he was legitimately excited. He knows he's going to be the first overall pick. So, remember, remember when Zion got drafted by New Orleans and he kind of, you know, uh, he didn't seem entirely thrilled that he got drafted by New Orleans? Not the case, or I should say, that New Orleans won the uh, draft lottery. In this case, uh, Victor Wembanyama looked really thrilled that San Antonio got, uh, won the
5: number one pick.
3: Frank, what's the... Thought around the league for how long Greg Popovich would hang around now as a head coach. I mean, he's, he's 74, but he, he still appears to be, you know, in peak condition to be an NBA coach. Does this change in terms of the outlook for how long you could see him on the bench?
0: You no, know, it's funny because remember, for the longest time, there was this idea that once Tim Duncan is done, Greg Popovich will run it right off into the sunset with him, and that ended up not happening. You know, he likes working. And he's got a pretty good deal. You know, Greg Popovich, if you go out to the Vegas Summer League over the summer, you never see him there. So he's one of these guys that at such a high level that in the summer they give him off. I think he's got a place in Maine where he hangs out. And he enjoys it. I think he enjoys the traveling. You know, the league, for some reason, the Spurs, when they come to New York, they manage to be here for four days, even though they're only playing one game. So he gets kind of taken care of. He goes to his favorite restaurants. He drinks wine. So why wouldn't he stick around? If he enjoys it and he has the motivation, I don't think they're ever going to run him out of there and say, you know, enough is enough. But I I could see maybe another three more years and try to usher this, you know, the San Antonio Spurs back to being a dominant NBA team again.
1: Hey, Frank, how about the game last night where the Nuggets, they held on, they had this 21-point lead, and LeBron had a chance to tie it up in the final minute. Anything that happened last night cause you to think of this series going forward any differently?
0: Yeah, old stack padding. Nikola Jokic, he did pretty well for him. <laughs>
1: uh, it's right.
0: He did. Yeah, you know, the whole world, everyone now. I love how everyone said, you know, he actually, he is pretty good. Yeah, thank you. There's a reason why yeah. he won two straight MVPs and he easily could have won a third. You know, the Lakers are dangerous. I, you know, I, I give LeBron a lot of credit. He, he definitely has his body in really good shape. As long as he could stay healthy, he's going to be your second best player. That's the key. So going into uh, last night's game, he had scored 23 or fewer points in seven of the 12 games, seven of the 12 playoff games for the Lakers, and they were 5-2 and two in those games. So you've been waiting for, I'm sure LeBron is too, you know that he's always going to be one of the top players out on the court, but you need someone else to carry them, and really it's been Anthony Davis for the longest time. And they did make that adjustment in the second half when they uh, put Rory Hachimura on Nicole Jokic, and he did a pretty good job. It freed up Anthony Davis. It's amazing, like the Lakers, you, you know, you talk about catching breaks. They acquired Rory Hachimura, who's a really good player, they got him for Kendrick Nunn in three second-round draft picks. I, it's amazing how like I give, I give the Lakers a lot of credit. That was a really good trade they made. The guy was 8 for 11 last night. He seems to make every shot that he takes. So that's the one thing I think that the Lakers are kind of um, are optimistic about, that maybe they found something in the second half. I hope it's Denver. You know, they've never you know, never been to a finals. Just like in 2000 when Indiana made it. It was great. You get, like, a new team. Was it 2000? No, 2000 when they beat the Knicks. You know, it's, it's good to see – different teams get in there, and I think it would be great if Nikola Jokic to make, can make it
5: to an NBA Finals.
3: You mentioned those second-half adjustments that the Lakers made and heavily involved there with Rui Hachimura and Nikola Jokic. Do you believe that, that there's been a corner turned there, and how much of this chess match between Malone and Hamlin is going to take place over the course of this series? How much do they matter to this?
0: Yeah, and I think Darvin Ham did a really good job adjusting in-game. I think Michael Malone, you know, your team is up – between 12 and 20 points so are you really going to do anything drastic there to adjust now you mentioned it before lebron missing you know that three that was a big moment but i think now that michael malone will have a day to look at the film i think they'll make their adjustments uh you know in between games one and two last night i mean i get it you could say well michael malone didn't do anything well he was winning most of the game darvin ham mm-hmm. was the one that had to do something so i i would think uh you know michael malone's a pretty sharp guy he'll figure something out
1: this might be a stupid question. I'm not sure because I know how great Jokic is, but are you surprised that Anthony Davis struggled the way he did guarding Jokic? Because he's a tremendous defender when he's locked in.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, but Jokic body, his body type where he bangs into, I thought the killer for them early on was all the rebounds that Jokic was getting. Now, the defensive rebounds, thats that's different because that's the Lakers missing shots. But he was really good uh, around the glass. But Davis has had a good playoffs. I've been really critical of him. You know how many times it seems like, especially in the bubble, every game that they played, he you know he was on the ground grimacing. Where you think, wow, this might be it for him. This guy like might be seriously hurt. He does that way too much during this playoffs. I mean, he was dominant against Memphis. He was really good against the Warriors last night. He did have forty points. That would be the one thing that would concern me with the Lakers. You did get sixty six points from Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and you still lost the game.
3: Is Jimmy Butler enough for Miami to get back to the finals?
0: I don't think so. I thought going into the playoffs, that's even with Milwaukee, I thought the Miami Heat had the most talent. I'm sorry. I thought the Boston Celtics had the most talent. I still feel that way. They came really close to losing game six against the Philadelphia 76ers. Then all of a sudden, Jason Tatum bailed them out by scoring 12 points in the last four, 14 of that game. That was a huge performance by him. They have the best team. And you know, sometimes you worry because they have a new coach there, and I think the players now well if we lose everyone's gonna blame the coach. I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. But you know, they were right there last year. They were up two one on Golden State, they had a lead in the fourth quarter at home, and then Steph Curry went completely bonkers and you know, and he grabbed control of the series. So Boston was in great position last year to win a championship. This year you know, I, I think they have the best chance. Obviously, Denver would be the second choice, and they're better than Miami. And last year, they beat Miami, and that's Miami at home court. Miami had Tyler Hero, and I actually think you can make the case that Boston is better this year with uh, by adding your old pal Malcolm Brogdon. So I think it would be a huge disappointment if Boston can't get to an NBA
2: Finals.
1: Frank, you're the man. Really appreciate your time, and uh, you know, when I listen to Aerosmith later on, whenever that happens to be, uh, I'll think of our conversation, including "Don't Stop Believing," that that famous I'll... Aerosmith tune. Yeah,
0: I was going to say it. Steve Perry would say, "Don't stop believing."
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you later, Frank. You, Have Frank. a good one, right, bud. Guys. Take care. You too. There Bye. he is, Frank Frank Isola, member of ESPN's Around the Horn, PTI host of the starting lineup on SiriusXM NBA Radio, also an analyst for the Nets on the Yes Network. He very much awesome the wearer of
3: many hats and does that very, very well across you know the
1: world. what? You know what's funny? Random Frank Isola story. I should have said this to him. I didn't think of it literally until right now. I went to a Knicks game years ago, and I look over to my right, and there's Frank Isola. Now, he's a few sections over, and he might have been in the media area. And I was like... I kind of want to go say what's up to Frank Isola, but I'm like, I don't know really what I would say, and I wouldn't want him to blow me off. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't... I, Frank seems like a dude that'd be like, hey, what's up, man? He does seem like So to clarify, like that. you didn't do it I didn't because do of it. that. Okay, wow. Yeah, I didn't go up. I'm the guy, typically, I'm not like, oh, what if I get blown off? I don't think like that. My whole thought process is, I've got to have something to say. Sure. Other than you're Frank, a value. What's hey, up, Frank. Frank? Like you hey, know, nice what I mean, nice head
4: of lettuce you got there.
5: <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise- Is that natural lettuce,
5: Frank? <laughs>
1: you know? Yeah, right. I Otherwise, feel like you're just I- a
3: fan of the stands. See you yeah. walking
1: by, Frank. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I understand. There's got to be something there, but sure. I didn't go and say what's up to Frank at the Knicks game a long time ago. Does that live with you for? No, I just randomly thought about that. <laughs> that also happened at, at the. Uh, this wasn't at Lucas Oil. This was probably at the RCA Dome. Or what was it in between? What was the last name of the, the Colt Stadium before Lucas? I think it Lill? was just uh, it was, it was the RCA, RCA and then straight
3: to Lucas. There was no, no in between.
1: Zero. It, it, did it start off as the Hoosier Dome? Yeah, the Hoosier Dome. And yeah. then it went to the yeah, RCA yeah, dome. Yeah, so yeah, it's probably the RCA dome at yeah, the time. Yeah. And I think I've told you this before, but I just go to the Banos, you know, and I'm standing there doing my thing. And the rule is look straight ahead. And I just I noticed like, what is is this like enormous hat? Yep. Yeah. It was fireman ed. you did tell me that the J-E-T-S chance I didn't say anything especially in that moment right yeah but I overthink it I should just be like hey I didn't know his name I didn't know it was Fireman Ed I had no idea I just remembered seeing him during NFL games leading the chant well we've learned today what
3: happens when you just throw out a guess blindly and and let your brain (laughs) drive for you I mean so probably good you didn't do
1: that (laughs) Fireman Ed how are the Ravens doing this year like what are you gonna do you ever um are you ever near a movie being shot or like a TV show being shot anything like that? We
3: lived in Chicago my wife and I did for a year and there would be some of like the like some scenes or or shots for like Chicago Med or, or Chicago oh, PD really? during that time. Um but no not not a ton of crossover with that um other only other note I remember that being visiting family in Cleveland, like during one of the Spider-Mans, they were doing like some, like, you know, initial photography, or like maybe a couple scenes here and there, but not a ton of up close crossover. What
1: about you? That's kind of cool. The one thing because Frank was explaining that about the Sopranos and they filmed some of the stuff right down the road from where he lived. I was living in LA and I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard to a gym. I would walk down Hollywood right past the Chinese theater and there was a gym on La Brea. So I just walked down there when I went to the gym, and they were filming this scene. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And they had the director's chairs, and it was for the movie. I don't know if you've seen it. The Italian Job? Oh, yes. Yes. It's actually a pretty good oh, movie. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg, they filmed the scene where they like blow up the road, and the truck goes underground. Sure. I was just walking to the gym and they film that scene where they blow it up and everything's yeah. flying around. I'm like, what is... And I remember the Italian job and I'm like, I'm going to watch that movie when it comes out. And it turned out to be pretty good. The
3: only time that I've ever had a... I wasn't there for filming or I've ever retraced things from a movie. Uh, I, I love Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight and the Dark Knight, the, the middle movie between Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises, a lot of it was filmed in Chicago. And like they mentioned that on like some of the boat tours you take, but also like you can drive around Lower Wacker or like just walk around some of the older buildings in the city. It's like, oh, there, there's gonna be the Joker here in five seconds just walking down the street. Like so yeah, yeah whenever you're able to piece it together,
1: sure. I, oh yeah, it's it's really cool. There's like the I think it's I I get the stations. I think it's ESPN one thousand mm-hmm. yep. is around yes. that area. Yes. Yep. I don't remember it. No, it's it's the iHeart stations. There are radio stations around there. Because when I would do my I'd do some shifts from Chicago sure. if I was in town but I know exactly what you're talking about that's really cool that's pretty neat I I was doing when I was in LA I ran out of cash I saved up I was doing the guitar stuff you run out of money fast yep. shocker in LA yeah and I was like I gotta make ends meet I started doing some extra work really yeah so I'd be like in the background just these <laughs> random things so many random stories with that I'll give you the Cliffs notes version one was with the Dixie chicks okay it was a a commercial for Lipton iced tea. And we we're filming it somewhere in the sticks. We we're like up higher. It was freezing that night. <laughs> and the concept was they're in concert, the power goes out, they finish their song Acapella. That's and they like drink drink some Lipton iced tea sure. and they're like, ah, let's make the best of it. And they finish the song. We're out there for hours, freezing. And I see the Dixie chicks in like their heated area <laughs> with their Couches, taken care of, baby. Food, and all. I'm like, I freaking hate the Dixie Chicks now. But yeah, just random stuff, right. just really random. I met um, Terry Crews. You ever oh. see Terry Crews on the sure, uh, the like the Old Spice commercials? Sure. Just incredibly muscular, jacked. He was the nicest dude. There was some random movie I was in the background for. And I saw Terry Crews, and he was in one of those Friday movies. I think he was in the third Friday mm-hmm. movie. I started talking to him about the girl in that movie that was beautiful. And why so I was like, man, she is gorgeous or something. He's like, man, she can't act. <laughs> was like, we'd give her her line. She'd forget it. We'd have to redo it again. The whole thing. Yeah. Out of
4: curiosity, where were you in the crowd for that Lipton uh Commercial, they just
1: moved us around. They moved us around well, a bunch of different stuff. I spots. found
4: it on YouTube, so I'm trying to see if I can spot you. That's why yeah, I you.
1: You will not, you will not spot me on that thing because it's you're just one of many. Because, like, a if huge I was crowd, if I was doing extra work, I feel like I would want to be able to have an idea
3: is this something I can see myself in or not after the yeah. fact? So, like, there's no doubt yeah. you would know if, like, oh yeah, there I
1: am in the five second mark if it was even I, possible. You know, I don't know, I saw myself in one thing. It was like urban legends. It was great because at the time I had long hair. Sure. I'm doing my heavy metal band. So they would always cast me as like the bar patron. I was always the <laughs> bar patron. I was always like getting arrested or up to no good. Right. That's how and I was And then you cast. were doing the
3: extra work too.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you. Thanks. Yeah, But yeah, it was one th- with the urban legends or right. whatever. I was one of four people. And the legend was, we're talking trash to this couple that came out of the bar. Mm -hmm. They go to their car, and I was, like, lifting up this little tiny car. And when they drove off, the legend was, it took, like, three of my fingers off in the bumper. And so that was what we're reenacting, (laughs) this urban myth or whatever. So they put fake blood on my hand, and I dropped down. I'm like, ah! it was academy award winning type stuff i believe that me. i'm telling but that's the only thing i saw i think i was in other things i was in and i never saw this part but i was in starsky and hutch okay and it was the scene where um ben stiller and owen wilson wilson yes. I, it's I hey. was, owen wilson and they're in the precinct. They're getting like chewed out. They did something wrong, and they're they're getting chewed out. Whatever. But in the background, I was one of the convicts. That one was cool. They gave me because I had the long hair. They tucked my hair up. They gave me like this big afro. They gave me the big like lamb chop <laughs> sideburns. It was a whole production. And I remember I was walking around, and I I was just kind of walking like, man, I just got arrested. I was really in character, Jimmy. It was very believable. But I was so like down in the dumps, I was dragging my feet. And so my heels was like, kling, 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 and they were like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> and they made me take my shoes off. I was walking around just in my socks. You were two in character. They had to make some adjustments. They had to. They had to. You know, you want something believable? I'll give you something believable, Jimmy. That's how it works out. Okay, we got a lot to do. We got to get to the marriage that doesn't make much sense. It's got local ties. You'll want to hear this. I'm Brian Though He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian Though He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Few things I get a kick out of more than uh, Eddie Garrison just going troll mode. And the joy he has on his face. You know what I mean? I do love that about Eddie Garrison. I'm assuming this is the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, he went Dixie Chicks on me. It was just for the night. I hated the Dixie Chicks for one night. Now I don't hate him anymore.
3: So they're in the library somewhere.
1: In the library? Are they in the music library? Oh no, I don't have a Dixie yeah, Chick either. song in the. No, I have it in the library here. How about this? Um, Pat McAfee going to ESPN. Yeah. Now here's the deal. I I think he's done a tremendous job, and think about this. He retired. Was he even thirty years old when he walked away? I think he was twenty nine, right around there when he walked away from his NFL career. And at the time, people are like, "You're a Pro Bowl punter. You're making, you know, at least a million dollars at the time, probably more. You're walking away from that. What are you doing?" And look at what he's yeah. built it into. So, build himself an empire. Props to him. And he walks away from. He was in year two of a four year deal with FanDuel for 120 million dollars, and now he goes over to ESPN. My thing, Jimmy, and we're on the same wavelength on this. I just don't understand the fit, because if you've listened to or watched Pat's show, it is not PC. Right. It it is not rated G, right?
4: Definitely not Disney.
1: It is not Disney. There are F-bombs flying. It's very, very colorful, should we say. And so I don't understand the fit with ESPN. This would be like Andrew Dice Clay. Doing a clean stand-up routine right. on network television. Right. we are like, it's just not him, though. It doesn't really fit. So that's my only thing. Props to him. He's built an empire. And you hardly hear any negativity related to to what Pat McAfee is doing. So I'm not here to be negative. I just I don't understand the marriage. I don't think the fit is good.
3: Yeah, like, I, I just... ESPN had to get this done. Like they, abs- they absolutely had to get this done because they've been looking for more consistent staples across their national programming. And you could argue, you can go back as far as you want, but like when the Dan Levitard show left, yeah, they have been trying to still piece together what their lineup's going to be. So it's a massive win for ESPN. Huge. Like, hat- hats off across the board to ESPN making this happen. But you're in and mine's biggest... Uh, confusion with it is you have so much more creative control as an independent. Yeah. You're, I believe, because I don't have the terms of the deal in front of me, but I believe he's making more money at FanDuel, like had more control over in terms of like his profit margins and, and the flexibility of that contract. And if the show gets censored, I'm not saying Pat still wouldn't make it fun, but if you lose some of that ingenuity of yeah. your show, I don't know. Like I get his end game, right? You're now getting the entire treatment that the Dan Levitard show got, which is you're having fixtures of that show, including Pat, appearing on Around the Horn, appearing on Part in the Interruption, right. appearing on Sports Center, appearing on Get Up. Like if that's been his dream, more power to him. Like he's he's achieved it and and you tip the cap to him and everything that he's built, I just I feel like you're giving up some creative
1: control and that's not even taking away the money side of things with yeah. this deal. And this is the thing is I think Pat is such a bright guy. Mm-hmm. He sees the big picture. Sure. And I think there's a tendency when Pat McAfee's going to ESPN, sometimes you think of it where he's going to be there for a long, long time. He might be there for two years. He might be there for three years. It could be longer than that. But let's just say he goes to ESPN for a short amount of time and there aren't F-bombs flowing as freely sure. or at all. But then it builds his profile and... And he moves on to the next thing. He might think of ESPN as a lily pad. Could. Not necessarily like the foundation of the building that he's going to put up there, right? Like, right. So if you're thinking of it more as a lily pad, it would probably make a lot more sense because as far as building your brand and your profile... They're dying for someone like him Mm -hmm. because losing Cowherd, losing Levitard, they've been losing, losing, losing big, big names, big shows. So to get ESPN is a grand slam for them. And it might work for him as well if he's there for a short period of time. And then like Levitard, they're like, we got to get out of here and have more creative control. On the other side of the
3: coin, on ESPN side of things, like we mentioned, it's a massive win for them. But if you're looking for, I guess, a benefit for Pat, too, not only just the cross-promotion and the eyeballs that you're getting on it, but additionally, you're getting those, you would think, exclusive interviews that, that Pat was getting you know, when he was having a conversation with Aaron Rodgers. That's now coming back to, to ESPN airwaves. And for Pat, you're also getting, in theory, more exposure across the mainstream sports fan versus he's built what he has, that listenership's going to follow him over to ESPN, yeah. and now he has the access to the mothership of what you'd want out of sports radio. So like, I, I get it. I understand it. But from a creative standpoint, I just hope it doesn't limit what he wants to do because he's built such a
1: fun, entertaining show from the ground up. Yeah. That's my whole thing. It's like going from dice, clays, dirty nursery rhymes to like clean knock, knock jokes. Sure. It's like, what, this isn't, but this isn't the show. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's going to be at least watered down, maybe neutered, and that that might not be great, but I think he can still make it work and make it yeah. entertaining. It's You know what it reminded me of? I was driving in here, and by the way, the fountain is looking majestic. Pristine. Monument circle, mm-hmm. right? There you go. Yep. AKA the thing. Um, Deep cuts. Yeah. But it reminded me of Snoop Dogg. He performed at the Midnight Madness for Kansas. This is back in 2019. Okay? So, you know, Midnight Madness, and they have, you know, acts, and it's an entertainment thing and all, for college basketball. Yep. Snoop Dogg does it, and it, it goes south real fast. <laughs> where they had... Like stripper poles and, and girls dancing as if they're stripping, and they're really not. Uh, Snoop had a money gun that he's like shooting money <laughs> at these girls that are behaving like strippers, and it turns into this whole thing. And then you have these apologies from the AD, the head coach. This is comedy from Kansas head coach Bill Self. At the time, again, it's 2019. I didn't know that there was going to be anything like that, <laughs> I was told. This was radio edited and everything else. But no, that's not the direction that anybody at our school would want that to go at all. And so that's... Right? When Snoop Dogg is performing at Midnight Madness for Kansas, you got to know what Snoop's act
3: is. And I don't want to censor Snoop's act. I want genuine Snoop. Right. Just well, like with
1: right? Either... Genuine Snoop fits. Right. Or it doesn't. Or it doesn't. <laughs> and if you come to the conclusion that it doesn't, then you shouldn't book it. Yeah. Right? And so that's what I'm wondering with Pat McAfee. If you know Pat McAfee has the style and has the show that's a lot more colorful than Disney, I, I don't know why you're booking it. And expecting it to be the rated G version, I, I don't know. I just don't understand the fit, but props to him. Real quick, this was from Chuck Pagano, former Colts coach, who is a, a frequent guest with Pat McAfee, said, you never get what you want in life, you get what you deserve. Man, oh man, do you and the boys deserve this, bravo. So, hey man, a lot of people are fired up for this.
3: Yeah, and if that's what they want, obviously, because Pat would have make the decision if that's not what he wanted, Like, I'm, I'm very happy for them, it's just, it's... You see ESPN, and it is, it's the, it's the dream, right? But what does the show
1: unfold to, and how yeah. do they adapt? Because they will adapt. How successful will it be in it. this new adaptation of it? We'll have to see. Hey, by the way, what do you think about this? Peacock gets an NFL playoff game. They paid uh, more than an arm and a leg to get that game, but yes, they did. Isn't that insane? It's so They baffling. paid $110 million for a... ah like singular playoff game. And they've got around 20 million subscribers, so obviously they're trying to bump that up significantly. Isn't that wild? You could look at it. They're basically trying to pay for subscribers. Is really it. Like, they're doing it yes. in a roundabout way. They're paying for this playoff game, hoping it turns into subscribers. This is a thing I don't like. I know we're just getting deeper and deeper into the streaming realm of things. I I, I love being able to watch an NFL game and everybody's on the same page. Almost everybody has access to it. And so I hate the thought of there being a playoff game yep. and there are plenty of NFL fans that are like, I, I didn't see it. And it's like, really? We can't really break down Justin Herbert and his performance or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, that part sucks. Because I don't know about you, like last night, it was a really interesting game. If I come in here it was like, man, can you believe the Lakers made that? push and uh, Jokic and, and you were just like oh yeah I didn't see it I had stuff going on it's like well there's nothing for us to talk about as far as that goes I, that part of it I don't like at all
3: yeah I don't like barriers particularly for high level competition and that, like, it's like the fear of the Super Bowl one day being a pay-per-view event right like it right. Just, you're, you're really really doing a disservice
1: to the fans yeah I hope we don't get there alright coming up next we're talking something that I wish the sports world would do okay and then also, do you have award-winning picks for us tonight? Top shell five-star really? picks tonight. The Jay Cook seal of approval? So we've,
3: we've thrown the black cat in the mix now, but uh, so far so good to this point in the week where we're rolling. What's
1: the what's the record looking like so far? We are currently sitting at six and three. So Woo! there we go. Put that in your pipe and smoke yep, it at a Garrison. Looking good. huh? Looking good. All right, Brian, though, Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook Biggest Aerosmith fan on the planet Eddie, I will tell you this and I'll tell you this right now You
3: better be perfect from here on out <laughs>
5: Because the second
3: you slip up I'm coming for you, my friend
1: You better be cutting up just audio telling you. and everything just telling you. Yeah. you know what you've I been, want you've here? Been warned. Before we get to your picks here, Jimmy What I want in the sports world uh-huh. I just want unapologetic honesty when it comes to certain things here when it comes to PEDs, I want athletes if they get busted to just own it and be like, "It was stupid. I cheated. It is what it is." When it comes to NIL deals, I don't want schools to be like, "We don't have NIL deals." It'll just be like, "It's legal now. We have NIL deals. You know, deal with it." When it comes to cheating, I bring this up because yeah, your know. boy Aaron Judge yep, didn't do anything wrong. Blue Jays are crybabies. So educated by the MLB. Looking over at his own dugout, maybe getting some signs, which is legal. right? As correct. long as they're not using electronical devices, yep. that is legal. Yep. So if that was what was going on, I would love for Aaron Judge to be like, yeah, I was looking for signs, which is legal. If you don't like it, then change the freaking rules. Instead of, oh, sure. oh no, no, no. I was just seeing if our our dugout was going to settle down or not. You Plus I mean? the
4: pitcher admitted
3: that he was tipping his pitches. Right, yeah. Sure. The pitcher also got sent down because he was more kind about what happened with Aaron Judge and the rest of the Blue Jays organization. Were they then spent the next game in that series? We don't have time for me to ramble about it. About <laughs> arguing about where first or third base coaches were standing, and then they uh, didn't have the presence of mind to tell their own first and third base coaches, "Hey, if we're going to complain about that, maybe you should stand in the box instead
1: of be you know ten feet out the <laughs> other way." So it doesn't. It sounds like you're not upset with no, the Blue not Jays at all. at all. Not at all. You know what? I'd be upset if we didn't get your picks. Let's
2: do that. <laughs> the Jay Cook plays of the day.
4: This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way, this is how I win
3: lot to get to. Let's start with the MLB. Going to take the San Diego Padres once again, third day in a row. We're one and one so far with this bet. Going to lay one and a half on the run line as they are against the Kansas City Royals. Also, going to take, this is going to surprise a lot of people. I'm going to take the Toronto Blue Jays on the money line today. Here's why. Even though Garrett Cole's on the mound, he has struggled his last couple of outings, and the Yankee bullpen is toast. Woo, so I'm going to go with the Blue Jays on the money line your boys. there. I know. Got to do what you got to do to wow. make some money. Okay. Uh, in Champions League, Man City wins outright today over Real Madrid. That is to advance to the Champions League final. That's well wasn't minus 170 when I got it. It's minus 180 right now. Ooh. Erling Holland for Man City also scores. That's at minus 165. Ooh. NBA playoffs. Miami Heat, give me the eight and a half. Plus eight and a half tonight are the Heat against the Celtics and also over 27 and a half for Jimmy under, Butler under, and the Miami under,
1: Heat. Under, any what bets do you have? Under on the week. Three under.
4: <laughs> under on Jimmy Butler. Under. That's
1: it? So all you got? Yeah. That's all you bet. Yep, It's the standard Fade J. Cook, play from Eddie Garrison. Hey, good stuff. Great stuff. Great to have you in here. Great hanging with you lads. JMV, top of the hour. We'll catch you later.